The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> Oops, don't do that. Um, ow, sorry. Scratches. Um, I am your host for tonight, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And those sound effects you, you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Indeed. And you can find this here program on the Cold Slither Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. And apparently, Sky wants to just do its own thing because it can go its own way when it wants to. But that's fine because we're going to work with this somehow, some way. Um,. But you can also find this here program on your podcast through place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, Apple, uh, excuse me, or some would say Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And now my speaker's one. It's been a whole thing tonight, folks. I just want you just a little behind the scenes, like just all kind of gremlins. Gremlins, the gremlins are out tonight. Yeah, because now my speakers want to act up, and that's I, that's uh, that's not good. It's one not, of those nights, ladies and gentlemen. It we've very had much is. Or not so much on this new platform that we've been using uh, since uh, since pre-pandemic, really. But um, you know, there was a time when we were on Google Hangout, Google Hangouts, that uh, we were running into gremlins all the time. This is true, but you know what? We're going to soldier through them as we tend to do. And say that I think we're just going to get into the new, and I'm not some news. We're not going. We're not there yet. Uh, we're going to get into the comic books of the week, starting off with Fantastic Four number twenty-five. Absolutely, and I will start this conversation off by saying that this is definitely a potential click of the week for myself. Same. This issue was great. It is. Um, Essentially something that I described, I think, on the show. I want to say I mentioned this on the show. That slot came out in an interview recently. I want to say it was on Marvel's pull list, um, the the weekly Marvel um, 
Marvel Comics podcast, but I believe he said that 25 is essentially a soft, soft, soft reboot and a great place to jump onto the story because you don't necessarily need to have a ton of information um, uh, acquired beforehand to really appreciate the story, but it does help because it lays a lot of context for some of the relationships that we have in the story uh, right now. There's a lot of stuff that uh, that slot follows up on uh, in this issue. But firstly, um, I wanted to mention that R.B. Silva's art absolutely sings in the first in the primary story in this issue. And the colors by uh, Jesus Arbertov uh, really accentuate the art and spectacle of a story. As I said, that's a soft reboot of the series, sending it in a new direction, but still incorporating everything that Slot has established in the prior 24 issues. Uh, two new threats are established. And believe it or not, we even see a little bit of the Fantastics <laughs> who are actually dealt with. Right. So. And part of me was still thinking, oh, wait, this is a uh, Great Lakes Adventures. No, wait, that's not it's not them. <laughs> exactly. It's like they brought them back to deal with that situation. Um, but there's a lot of stuff happening in this issue, believe it or not, because um, uh, because, uh, you know, it deals with several uh, intersecting storylines. Uh, we we have. Uh, ben and Alicia and the uh, the two new children of the Fantastic Four family, um, the uh, the Cree and Skrull respectively. You know, we deal with that with that aspect. We also deal with something that I know Roddy Cat mentions at the beginning of his notes, um, and that being uh, Sue Storm's continued uh, utilization by maybe not shield, but definitely the U S government, because I think that's, what's mentioned in the issue basically. And yeah, it wasn't, it, well, I only said that part because I knew, cause even in her mini series, uh, she was working with the government and not shield cause shield had, by that time that happened was no longer in existence. Right. The, but, the, but the, it just kind of made me wonder. It's like, wait, present day story. right. The present day story, not the flashback story. Right. Gotcha. But that was it. Just had me wondering, it's like, wait, what? What? What's the status of Shield at this point? Is it still non-existent? And like, because yeah, like you said, Fury still shows up and gives uh, gives Sue a mission, which starts this whole ball off. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what brought that up, which takes her back into the crossroads of, uh, um, well, not necessarily crossroads, but basically it takes her into the uh, Latverian uh, embassy and, uh, uh. You know, under the the gaze of uh, Doom, who was coincidentally uh, putting together or putting the finishing touches on the security system, uh, when the aliens that were come looking for whatever little black box they were, they were looking for come barreling through. Uh, but of course, Doom being Doom knew she was there, so that was you know it was a whole other thing. And then which starts kind of their involvement with each other. And uh, the rest of the uh, story, which, yeah, I, just like you, I, I kind of enjoyed the main story, much less. Well, the the, the backup stories, too, uh, or the backup story, too, I guess I should right. say. Or, right. Yeah. Well, one back, there's one backup story. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, and I figure you want to follow up on this, you know, there's as I said, there's two new threats that are introduced in this story. The first one being um, someone who was introduced to us right at the beginning 
it is the helmsman and whoever it is that the helmsman is 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 working with their cormorant is like a bird I had to look that up because I was like, hmm, new vocabulary word for the day. Yeah, it seemed like it's a, a new species we may or may not have come across before now. Like, you know, sometimes slot will, we'll, as we have found out in the Silver Surfer uh, uh, book, you know, he will he will make up some new uh, races. So, right. And it is quite possible that this is one of them now, but we don't know. Or at least I hadn't done the the, the legwork to, to find out whether that's the case or not. But regardless, like you said, as there is a new enemy in these two folks. Uh, then they're looking for whatever they're looking for. Um, right. And that leads us to the second threat that I mentioned, which is, uh, uh, you know, such a, um, uh, a great way of, you know, kind of putting in you know, a, a slot. Uh, uh, you know, and shout out to uh, Dan Slott, who wrote this really solid, solid kind of restart of the Fantastic Four. Um, you know, shout out to him for I, I don't know if he directed R.B. Silva to, to draw this. Probably not, but he might have laid a hint. There's definitely some Kirby-esque technology <laughs> being built by uh, Reed and Valeria Richards. Yeah, mostly and- Valeria, but yeah. What's that? I said pretty much mostly Valeria. Right. Given so what ultimately, right. Ultimately, we have this very Kirby-esque technology that's being built. And, you know, there's a question about how to power it. And, you know, it's, you know, and, and of course we have um, this particular story thread coming full circle with um, something else that pops up, you know, which is what the... Uh, the, the helmsman and the cormorant are, are, are looking for. And lo and behold, we have another threat that the FF and and uh, coincidentally, Dr. Doom and uh, and what's her face? Victorious. Uh, yes, Victorious. I was about to say, I don't remember her name, but I, I always remember thinking of um, Victorious as opposed to Notorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, they have to deal with later on in the issue, and that creates as I said, another threat that Doom automatically knows, you know, what, what it is and gives it a name. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, as Reed said in the, in the issue, basically Valeria solved the problem by creating another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say in my notes, we now, uh, at this point have that the Krakoans are not the only ones who have the, uh, has a gate that goes anywhere. The difference is apparently this gate, that um, that has uh, popped up in this issue can very much go anywhere and don't need it. Well, as far as we know, doesn't need any other um, uh, any other like seeds to be planted elsewhere to make them. We don't know that part yet because you know obviously right. just, it just happened. But they already said it was like yeah, we can pretty much go through go pretty much anywhere. So that's for right. right. time exactly. And that- up on that as well they talked about being able to go anywhere and any time mm-hmm. and as Roddy Cat mentioned we don't know if uh, there has to be uh, uh, a concurring uh, doorway that exists or has to be built on the other side for them to go through it doesn't look like it but we don't yeah, know that yet exactly doesn't so um, but we also find uh, in the in the course of this issue that uh, the the defenses before have uh, reclaimed the the Baxter building or what remains of the Baxter building at this point, because everything that happened uh, to, to, to put this gate pretty much happened there. Uh, 
Uh, mm-hmm. Which I, I found it kind of funny. It was like because when the aliens was like, um, so basically what happened? Uh, just to just give a little background story, the, the aliens come down looking for a thing. They went to Doctor Doom. He had uh, one of these other black boxes, which we don't know what's in it because he blew it up. This is me attempting not to spoil everything, but okay, let me I, ring the bell. I, yeah, I know, but but just, <laughs> I mean, it is still worth. It, well, you know, it, it's still worth a good read because I'm not going to give everything, but just this is this is pretty much the final points. Um, so they go to Doom. This is what, and it also says how why Doom is involved. So uh, Doom has this thing, whatever it was, because he blew it up. But and then uh, it says that well, your husband's probably got something to do. And then of course there's this like we don't have any secrets, and they clearly did. But that's a whole other thing. So the uh, so Sue calls Reed, and they uh, and they talk, and it's like oh, I'll assemble the team because apparently he does have one of these boxes, which sets up the rest of the thing, which I won't necessarily go into. But like I said, because of all of that. Uh, the aliens kind of come and go, which brings up the funny part to me was it was like, well, clearly they were looking for something and they didn't find it, but they just so happened to uh, be the catalyst to get us to where we've already established now with the, this whole other gate coming open uh, on the Baxter, Baxter building property and for Reed and the company to basically take it back over again since the uh, Fantastics, if y'all did not, if people did not know, were the ones uh, who bought that building. But the building is no longer there, so... <laughs> so they had nowhere to stay. Which it, which also led to that one fine, uh, uh, one line from, from uh, between them. Like, Reed was like, yeah, I'm reclaiming the building, and then um, and then it was like... Um, well, a bit of destroyed, and and there's another threat coming. It's like, nah, you. That's a not great way to sell things, uh, Richards. So, yeah, there, pretty much. Um, we that. also have just to just to quickly get through the rest of the story. Uh, we also have a development that uh, that happens to Franklin Richards, hmm. which uh, yeah, we going to get to that. Have been te- which 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 slot has been teasing for a little while but i didn't expect it to happen this quickly and uh i found it somewhat interesting but it's definitely going to take franklin in a very different direction than what we've seen in the last several issues of uh of this series as well as the x-men fantastic four limited series yes. so um you know that's definitely in uh the interest of this character and you know kind of what um Kind of what Roddy Cab referred to in an off uh, an off camera discussion about we were talking about um, uh, Hulk future imperfect stuff and how that relates to what's going on today with Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. There are yeah you know obviously these stories are told in very different timelines. Uh, with those stories were told in very different timelines, and this story is told. When I say time, different timelines, I timelines. I mean, in very different real time times. Uh, you know, uh, you know. For example, Future Imperfect having been written thirty plus years ago. Now we have the Maestro going back. Fortunately, with the same writer. But in this case, we have known that Franklin Richards, depending on the reality that you know that that we've seen written, is oftentimes the last living person together with Galactus at the right. end of all time and reality. So seeing this happen to him now, you know, it's just, a, you know, it's just a matter of seeing where the story goes. So it's interesting to see um, this development 
and how this relates to him and his um and uh his newfound um uh affinity for going to Krakoa. Right. So so on that, that which um yeah well, and there was all probably at least one. Yeah, like you said, depending on who wrote and what timeline, there's there's definitely those two people at the end of the world, and a couple other 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 folks. Like as we have established, like Thor and or a version of Hulk, uh, the right. End also, of the universe. I mean, at the end of the universe, know? yeah, yeah <laughs> it's usually around. But that being said, I honestly thought so, and we can probably move on after this. But I honestly thought that the the reason for the gate being there was going to be the reason that Franklin, I thought there was going to be a, that, that, that was going to be something that was going to involve Franklin. Let's put it that way. Cause I thought the two of those were going to meet up and then it was like, Oh, his powers got renewed now. And all of a sudden. And so, you know, so now he's like ultra mega, uh, a mutant. Like, and cause we've seen, you know, Franklin in various states of powerful before, like, especially when he was a kid, and I think at one point even lost his power, supposedly had one lost his power for uh, um, a minute or two, but always, but tends to get it back. So I don't suspect that this is going to be any different. It just didn't happen with, yeah, it just didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen in this issue, which I'm kind of glad it didn't because then that would have been a little predictable and, you know, slots, not always a predictable person. So, (laughs) <laughs> that kind of goes in his favor. That being right. said, um, uh, I was about to say you touched on the um, the backup story. Yeah, I was about to. That's what we're getting to right now. Um, so yeah, the backup has to do with you. Um, basically, and this is not the the, the well. This is going to be another issue uh, this week. There's going to be another issue this week that deals with some sort of an aftermath from. Uh, well, never mind. Don't forget what I'm saying. That's a so, totally different thing. But regardless, this has to do with Iwatu and. Um, the unseen, the uh, the OG former. Nick Fury, exactly. And apparently, um, you, Uatu has come to take his spot back, basically. Uh, and now that he has, he's pretty much get gotten caught up on things, and he has his own herald. And you can put two and two together as to, to see as to who that is going to is that to be. But it's worth a read because it's kind of interesting because you can see like, hey, everything that's happened since Uatu's been gone. Uh, kind of gets mentioned, uh, right. but and it's like, not a Kelly Clarkson song. Um, it's not just a Kelly Clarkson song, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and last but not least, though, though, apparently the letters page has a new name. And if uh, if that last image that uh, after the letters page is in the indication. Uh, or at least the text underneath the image is any indication. Like we got some stuff coming up, uh, and I'm just going to say, because uh, there was some mention of an old flame coming back, and I'm thinking, wait, is is Frankie Ray coming back? I, I got a kick out of that too. So I was like, okay, I'm like, all right, cool, cool, cool. But they, it could also be the original Human Torch, but also, but since he's still around, but I'm thinking it's Frankie Ray, and I'm hoping that's the case. I'm not 100 percent sure what happens to her. She's, you know, uh, she's well, still around. She yeah, she's still around. She's, as far as we know, may not be powered, but she's still around. So that 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 has been the uh, the question because I know we have seen her as, as little as probably about a good four, five, six like years ago in like Fearless Defenders or something like that. So yeah, she has shown up, just not lately. 
Fearless Defenders. Wow. Yeah, that was a while ago. Um, but it's but we don't know what's what's the deal. So maybe that's the case. We don't know. It, it could be totally totally something different. But I'm hoping that's what it is. Uh, and that is Fantastic Four number twenty five. It, it was a quite an enjoyable read if you hadn't picked it up. It's uh it's legacy number is six seventy, but it's uh but it was because it's the twenty fifth issue of this volume, it was a bigger size issue. Right. Right. And feel free to jump on. It's it's definitely worth jumping on and it's an easy place to jump on because as we have stressed in our discussion of the book, it's going in a new direction. Mm-hmm. And you don't need necessarily a ton of information to jump on in this issue. Yeah. I also like that little part with Ben, Ben, Alicia with the, and the kids as they were so supposedly they were going to be um, <laughs> setting them up for school. And then it was like, ah, never mind. <laughs> yeah. That part yeah, was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, this was just an enjoyable issue all the way around. Uh, that being said, we can go on to another book. I guess let's hit that amazing Spider-Man. Um, so Amazing Spider-Man, if I can spell number fifty dot lr. This, this is one of these books, right? Um, and in this book, just to, to, in the, to be pretty much in a nutshell, is like all of the stuff that uh, happened before issue fifty last week uh, gets borne out, bore, bared out in this issue. So. Uh, in issue 50, we see uh, uh, Spider-Man kind of going, you know, uh, going along to get uh, Doctor Strange's help. But we see him being chased by some folks where we, we didn't, well, we didn't find out until later in the issue who that was uh, after the events of issue 49. Uh, but this is pretty much the bridge between 49 and 50. In that uh, we see, you know, what happens between forty nine and fifty proper, uh, and before he gets to uh, Doctor Strange, and also a couple of other things comes out because uh, we see uh, Norman Osborn and Doctor Kafka uh, talking about things on their end as, as far as things with him, and you know, the revelation of uh, Kindred, who we now know who it is. And if you haven't read, I won't spoil it for you, but nevertheless. Uh, it is someone close to Harry Osborn. No, well, at this point, it's no surprise, but it's but it was kind of sorted to me. Um, so we get a little bit more on that, and you know, and and Osborn's kind of going through his pity party, and, and this kind of things and so far. He's talking to Kafka, and they get to a situation where there's like, well, you know, we can get somebody to try to help you on on that situation. And we're left to think before the last the the, the reveal on the last page, uh, or it might be something totally different. I'm thinking that um, Osborne and Kafka was talking about someone else coming in to help some uh, to, to with uh, mediation, but we get to see the return of a character, um, a beloved character who has been in their own book. That none of the thing about it, we haven't seen that book in a minute. Um, uh, from their uh, 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 the return of a character from their own book into the pages of Spider Man. Right. Um, I'll ring the spoiler bell and talk about this because it does have something to do with books that were previously solicited. Okay. Right. So this book, um, as Roddy Cap mentioned, 
uh, you know, picks up on some of the things that happen in between and, uh, you know, in, it's kind of like an interstitial book where it happens in between certain things um, in previous issues and current issues. Um, I think it's pretty integral to the last remain story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it actually focuses on Norman Osborn with his sins newly eaten, um, you know, and, and, and him talking to Dr. Kafka. Um, we get the return of this character, and I rang the spoiler bell. So you are pre, you are, uh, you've been previously warned. We get the return of Mary Jane Watson back to the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, um, and the reason why I related this back to previously solicited issues is that, as we know, MJ was off in her own little series as or w- what became yeah. a mini series. And it was unfortunately canceled pretty much as a result of the uh, uh, pretty much as a result of the pandemic because I think there were previously solicited issues and they just haven't released. I think they had two, one one and a half or two possibly in the can and they they just haven't released them yet. Well, see, I will go further than that because I I remember the how it how this went it was originally a mini series and then they were like no well and then like halfway through they were like let's make this into an ongoing which is mm-hmm. where we thought we were and then uh yeah like every what right. agent 70 said is, is pretty much the, seems to be pretty much the case because we haven't seen any issues since uh right we months. have seen solicitations of, uh, of these books which means that they definitely had covers done if not some or all interior right. so we don't know, you know, we don't know if those books will ever see the light of day, if that story is ever going to be followed up on. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we have MJ back in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, the last thing I would say on this book is that I think the readership would have understood if these interlude issues would have been just put into the main series numbering. Pretty and much. just had to go on and on, you know. It's essentially like they're double shipping Amazing Spider-Man anyway. So why not just put it into the regular numbering and integrate it into the storyline proper right. so we don't have to do gymnastics and try to figure out where this all fits in. Right. And they've come out and said that you don't necessarily have to re- – which, by the way, uh, .lr means last rights, which last rights is the arc we're in right now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is nothing new because they've, they've done this stuff before. But they said that the, these um, – these point issues are not integral to the story, but to get a little bit more out of it, which we've come to find out already in past dealings. Um, this one pretty much like, like Edge and Kurt 70 was kind of alluding to. This one seems kind of integral because right. I think so. This is more integral than some of the other previous point, whatever stories right. have come out. So I don't understand why they couldn't just double ship and make this issue 51 to which we've said this before with probably 48 or 49. So I was like, or, or, or whatever was uh, in between oh, no, the, the, the Osborne rising. Right. The sins rising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should have just made that a regular issue. Exactly. So it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and as, as I kind of, you know, curmudgingly said around that time, like this is pretty much a, a cash grab uh, in a sense, but not necessarily saying that it, it is, but it kind of is feels like, because <laughs> I'm sitting here like like we've just been saying like they, these there's no reason that why these uh, couldn't have been just just in the issues. This couldn't be just it's, the issues. It's just weird because it, it, it's it's a ca- it, it's it's a cash grab in in one sense, but in another, it's not like the classic class cash grab. Right. You know, it's not 
a classically minded cash grab where it's just like, hey, you know, we're we're gonna spin this off like oh, King and Black, um, like a you know into a million other books to try to tie it into something that people seem to like. No, this is just you know this should have been just a regular issue. But right. in any event, we'll move on to uh, our next book. If uh, if no. that's all we have on this, that's pretty much that. Um, uh, let's see what we got. Uh, go ahead, pick a book. I was about to say, let's talk Guardians, and then we can jump into the X stuff. Bet Guardians. Which, speaking of books that doesn't seem like, well, speaking of books that kind of stream off something that's been going on that has already gone and left us, um, this is an uh, (laughs) this is an Empire aftermath aftermath book because it takes uh, place pretty much after uh, Empire. With you know, there is a new political structure in the in the um, in the in the galaxy, and so because of that, there's politics that has to happen. So here we find the uh, Guardians, and also there's a there's a quote unquote end credit scenes that kind of pretty much starts off before uh, the events of this book, right before the events, or yeah, right at the beginning of the end of this book. But that's on a whole other thing that has nothing to do with anything. Um. But they're on their way to some political conference, and uh, apparently Novar uh, is a part is the one that is a part of this thing. But uh, we don't get to know. Well, we kind of get to know that, and and he's dressed as Adam Ant, which pretty much uh, had me saying, "Does anyone even know who Adam Ant is, or did the kids know who Adam Ant is at this point?" Which they do forces you to look it up because that's what I did. Oh, you didn't know who Adam? Well, so so they no, mentioned. I didn't know who Adam Ant was. Well, okay. So some of us are a slightly older vintage than others of us, but um, uh, but they do mention in the book who he is, and I'm just I was like, okay, uh, Ewing, that was pretty cool, but like the kids don't know who it is. Regardless, Adam Ant is a rocker from the '80s, punk rocker specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, this and song called "Stand to Deliver." Yeah, I was gonna say there's a definite look. Yes. That that Novar is referencing. And that's what, that's why Adam Ant comes up. Exactly. And uh, a couple of times during the course of this issue as a running gag, but um, even people who you would think would not even know about Adam Ant apparently knows, knows about him in the universe. So there you go. Uh, anyway, the, uh, so the guardians are talking with Sans uh, rocket uh, on the way to this conference. And then they finally get to this conference and, you know, you have uh, various uh, folks from other, other uh, races, uh, you know, in the attendance here, but we also see that Richard Ryder Nova is here. Uh, I'm sure uh, agent 70 is glad to see that. Um, as a as a as the delegate from Earth, uh, and they explain why um, why Carol Danvers, who would normally be the ambassador from Earth, uh, uh, is not because you know she half she's half Cree and there I was would about be, to say it's a very common sense reason, right? Yeah, it's like she's she's half Cree and therefore there might be some bias, so it makes some sense why she's and especially you know, yeah, what's say, happened, especially yeah. given her role in Empire, exactly. Which they mention, so mm-hmm. uh, so that's why Richard Ryder is there, and he's uh, uh, you know representing Earth. Uh, the conference goes fi- fine until there's a murder or two. <laughs> of course, of course. 
So now the funny part about this, we don't see anything of the galaxy, the, the guardians with the exception of the, you know, until, well, we see them at the beginning of the book cause they're talking and there's a, there's that little bit at the very beginning of the book with uh Phyla and moon dragon because of the events of last issue, because Phyla's upset with moon dragon for doing something, uh, basically merging her essence with the, the dragon of the moon. And she's kind of upset about that. They'll probably pick that back up at some point. Um, and then, of course, Rocket is not there because he was, quote-unquote, collecting his thoughts. Uh, but what we find out later, uh, we, we find out what the deal Stupid was. Fortnite. <laughs> I was I was going to wait until get to there to ruin it, but yes, there you go. So, yeah, so that whole, that whole uh, Fortnite-Marvel thing kind of comes into play at the end of the issue because there's another, quote-unquote, end credit scene where Rocket and Groot gets taken by the Bifrost. Uh, and get zapped back at the same time. And, and this is also where Rocket mentions to Groot, let's like, yeah, just tell him I'm collecting my thoughts. Which at the end of the issue proper, we see the Guardians come back into play where uh, Rocket's playing uh, uh, Columbo, it looks like. <laughs> Basically, because of the murders that happened. And he's not necessarily, I don't know if he's necessarily changing his name, but they give, they, you know, they give him a um, another designation uh, uh, at this point, instead of Rocket Raccoon, he's still Rocket, but he has a. I guess he has a. He has given himself an oh, official capacity. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, but this that's, was also an, an enjoyable uh, issue. It's definitely a, a callback to. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you were saying? Yeah, no. I was. Uh, go for it. Go for it. What are you going to? I was just going to say this was. Um, that that was kind of a callback to his. Um, his origin. Right. Um, you know the new the new supposed code name, or at least this new alias that he's going by. I was I was just going to mention that um, you know because it's a direct follow up to uh, Empire and the events thereof. You know the story involves space politics, mm-hmm. so it's a lot like the UN in space. So there is an echo of Legion of Superheroes in this. Um, and oh. as Roddy Cat mentioned, of course there's a murder. Of course there's a murder. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as Ryder Cat mentioned, I wanted to give a shout out to Al Ewing for making use of Richard Ryder and reminding us that he was a big focus <laughs> of the Annihilation events. Yes. I really like the callback. Yeah. I really like the fact that, like, you know, one of the it was a, someone from the Badoon. Of Badoon all yeah, the Badoon uh, ambassador was the one who brought it up, you know. So that was, uh, you know, I, I kind of got a kick out of that. I was like, yeah, of course. That's why, you know, it's it's nice to see uh, Ewing um, putting Nova back into a little bit of focus in this uh, Guardians book. Oh, in other and, words, putting some respect on his name. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's another way to put it. It's another way to put it. All right. So I really enjoyed this. This is another uh, candidate for click of the week for me. This was an awesome, awesome read. Right. It seemed kind of weird, but as we've we've known, you know, uh, Ewing to kind of go off someplace, but kind of come back uh, at, at times and things. It's like, okay, where is this going? Because this is, the, the majority of this book had nothing to do with the Guardians proper until the end of the book. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. <laughs> Which, by the way, um, one last thing. Um, there was a little bit about there. There is a little mention in there about um, Novar and uh, Hercules's relationship, but it's kind of just briefly touched on. And since Novar was the, is the focus, kind of sort of was the focus of, you can kind of see how that plays into the rest of the issue mm-hmm. without giving anything away. Right. It's uh, forgive me for not always remembering exactly what is being published right now because 
of, you know, being living in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily know if some things are canceled or not. Right. But I believe this is not counting Thor because Thor is kind of like borderline. This is really the only space book that Marvel is m- publishing on a monthly basis right now. Uh, strictly space. That's probably correct. Cause I mean, the uh, Fantastic Four seemed like it's probably going to go that way in the next month or two in the next month. And we know of another book that's going to go there in the next month, but yeah, strictly but space. Yeah. That, this is, right. Yeah. This because is probably in the, the only sense one. that, right. In the sense that like there have been times when silver surfer was the only space book that Marvel, right. uh, um, uh, put out, it makes sense that they would be following up on a lot of this galactic or intergalactic politics stuff in the Guardians book. So right. in a sense, we are always going to see some of this stuff happening in the one space book they're putting out if there are, you know, kind of like wide ranging, um, you know, effects or ramifications coming from something that happened either on Earth or around Earth because, you know, like Empire. And, you know, things that are happening in space are going to be explored in that one space book. So, you know, this this issue is kind of like, all right. So and they they, they had already pre-planned this to say that um, this is what's happening in the in the wake of uh, the Korean Skrull War ending and the empires becoming united and King Doric, the whatever the eighth, I think he, he calls he, himself. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, coming to power. So, you know, this is where we are now. And and, and this is going to be the new norm for space politics going forward so it's it makes sense that we would see an issue mostly dedicated to that in the pages of guardians right and and it was guardians the one that kind of made outside of empire proper kind of or at least the end of empire anyway kind of made the whole thing a big deal because you remember the other issue was it the annual or was the last issue or two where it was like where they actually caught up with uh, what happened with Empire and was like, yo, this is a big deal. Like, what are we going to do? And, you know. Yeah, it's the end of last issue because they weren't involved at all in Empire. They were right. just on the other side of the galaxy. So. So they were literally catching up on it on the web. Exactly. So. Basically, yeah, on the the uh, the, the universal web. So it's exactly. Like, uh, so yeah, so that's so it makes sense that you know they would carry on with it, the, like Age of Seven being the only space book that's pretty much going around right now. That it would uh, the stuff would come up at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and I think when I want to say I don't know if this is the case or not, but we might also be getting shades of something else from it that happened at the end in the Empire, or that might have been just a side note that um, you know that Al Ewing just kind of messed around with. Because you remember when they were when they were talking. And um, what was it uh, Captain Victor- um, Valor? Because there was there was that whole thing. It was like, yeah, as long as uh, as long as um, Hulkling's in power, you know, we're striving for which you could barely get the word out, peace. Um, but as long as he's alive, which was which was worded in a specific way, um, you know, then that's what it's going to be. And and somebody called him on. And it was like, well, you know. That's a weird way to. That's a strange way to say it. What What happened if he didn't alive? And then Valor just kind of came out and was like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, said said a thing. And even Super Scroll was like, you know, there was a better way to word that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like even I know that was a that was a better way to word that. So I, so I thought that was a funny little bit right there. But also could be something for you know foreshadowing uh, what we saw at the end of Empire. Possibly, probably not. But you know. Um, it's there. 
So that being the case, we can move on. Do you got one more book you want to put out, or we're going to go wrap it? Uh, you want to do the X stuff, or? Yeah, we could do the X stuff, and then we'll go rapid fire. Okay, so Excalibur number 13, real quick. Um, while I, You can go ahead and start it off while I type this up. Sure, so in Excalibur number 13, this is chapter... Nine. Nine of Ten of Swords. Nine of 22 people. And, um, you know, in, in, in this story, we have the Braddock twins and the elder Braddock child all meeting up in um, uh, meeting up at the Starlight Citadel to deal with Saturnine, which we know is the correct pronunciation now. And um, I'll tell you that... Um, the first thing that hit me when I read this book was the fact that the Sword of Might, the literal Sword of Might, which has been around Marvel lore for ages upon ages, ever since they, or at least in Marvel UK, ever since they introduced Captain Britain. And they drop a little bit of a nugget here in the information page, in the data page, saying that the place of origin of the Sword of Might is unknown. However, it's presumed to be from Galador. I'm like, really? Oh, I didn't see that part. Yeah, if you check out the data page of the Sword of Might, it's um, <laughs> it's right after the um, the twins, uh, right after the Braddock kids all land in uh, in, in at the Starlight Citadel and they sure. meet up with Saturnine. So it's that first data page, and you'll see Sword of Might. But yeah, um, I remember the page. I didn't remember reading that part of it. Yeah, right. So. Uh, so yeah, uh, I just tweeted at uh, Tinny Howard um, and uh, Jerry Duggan and uh, Agent M of uh, Marvel saying, "Hey man, you guys are killing me with all the Galador references. You know, I wish they could do something more with the with the Space Knight property. You know, but they won't. They um, can't. <laughs> but, well, um, there's that. They can do something with Space Knights. They just can't do it with the one particular specific, Space Knight. Exactly yeah. with the specific Space Knight. But in any event, um, in 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 broad strokes, and and I know Roddy Cat will probably dig into more of the detail. Not really. The Braddock, the Braddock twins firmly reestablish their bond, as well as their own directions in the book, uh, and we find out what the Starlight Sword is, which was prophesied or prophesied, as well as um, Brian Braddock's new uh, costumed identity and title. Yep. Um, and that's essentially where we find ourselves here and where we find out what places both Betsy and Brian take in the Ten of Swords Tournament of Champions. Which I realized was prophesied, but at the same time, I didn't expect Brian to be a part of it. Same. So that was that part was like, okay, because I was like, all right, I, you know, when that came up, like, all right, that's all right, sure. But yeah, so, um, like I said, I will add and say that, um, one, Jamie doesn't, even though Jamie's the oldest, he definitely doesn't act like it. Um, <laughs> uh, and two, that, um, the things we do about with new about the, um, the, uh, the mantle of Captain Britain and the, the, um, the the um, totems of uh, of the the mantle have been dealt with. Put it this way, and uh, <laughs> the pretty much the main one comes comes into play with this one. I'll say that. Also, I do remember. So there was a, a person that held the sword of might 
back in the Avengers uh, that was not neither one of these two. Uh, I don't know if you remember that particular, and I don't remember what happened to that person or how the sort of might ends up being back uh, where it is now or where it was now. So, and I'm probably going to look that up, but it's probably a, a non-issue at this point. So. I want to say it was an early, uh, early Excalibur or right before that stuff when they established that Betsy was going to take over as, as Captain Britain. Maybe, but also it might also go back to the the killing off of the Captain Britain's uh, cord to uh, it, that it could have happened then. But I'm mean, or at least the the um, the part where the the former uh, user of the sort of might is now no longer around. Maybe I'm not sure, but like I said, I'll probably look that up uh, some other time. Yep. Anyway, uh, so that being the case, we can move on to X Men number thirteen. Which, uh, as we were talking before, or before the uh, the the show, it's pretty much centered around uh, Apocalypse, who honestly I thought was dead. Uh, because you remember in whatever issue that was, there was like, well, we won't be able to, um, like you know, because of everything that's going on in Overworld and or, or other other world, you know, uh, and him coming back to Krakoa pretty gravely issue uh injured like they were having issues with the, the protocol uh at the time and you know i believe that was marauders uh from them mistake i don't remember regardless um they were they were having issues with the uh temporary issue with the the uh resurrection program protocol and i was like well it's going to be a while for us to get you back if something happens and you know at the moment and then we saw a scene of uh apocalypse seemingly going gray like uh optimus prime and transformers the movie so no. <laughs> so I thought so I took that upon it. I was like, well, maybe they just killed him then, because that was pretty much the you know the thing. But or maybe it was just like um, they were because it was Magneto and, and Xavier pretty much telling them, hey, you know, this is this is what's going on, and it wouldn't be no great loss if we took some time for you to come back due to you know what's going on with the resurrection protocols. But apparently he's alive, but was great, great, still gravely issued, which has been pretty, fairly pretty much taken care of in this issue, but not before him launching into a story about his, uh, his, uh, wife, I guess, you know, who's, I think no longer around, or maybe we'll probably show back up at some point. Cause I know this, this person had been, uh, mentioned, uh, during the mm-hmm. crisis of, uh, X of, uh, 10 of swords. So, but it was pretty much a, a story about uh, how Apocalypse started going, being, doing the what things he was doing, uh, I guess, early on in his his career. So, that kind of what led him to be to judging Earth and mutants and all that kind of good good mess uh, to come back to this point. Right, and he basically goes out once. You know, once uh, you know, we get that little flashback out of the way. He basically goes out to reclaim um, the sword, mm-hmm. his scarab sword that is prophesied um, as part of this uh, tournament. So um, that's like the sword. rest of the issue. I was going to just ask uh, or just mention that I'm curious to find out how the Twilight Sword plays into the story, as that is the traditional weapon of Surtur, the king of Muspelheim, uh, normally an occupant of the Thor comic book. So Right, uh, and they have mentioned it off. Yeah, because they mentioned it in this issue, and they've mentioned it in in passing. 
Because that's how because that's how Krakoa and Arako are supposedly oh. split in twain. Mm-hmm. So is Surtur involved in this somehow? We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's not like the X-Men and, and Asgard and Thor haven't, you know, met and done things. So Right, and and we know that that's the whole point of the uh, uh of the Asgardian um uh what call it? Uh uh pantheon is that they were oftentimes meddling in earthly affairs. So, you know, the Asgardian, you know, mythology, they are they're oftentimes dealing with earthly affairs, so um, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to have something like that happen. Right, especially in the X-Corner, because that's how we got Danny Moonstar being a Valkyrie in the first place. And all sorts of things. So, yes. you know, like... Uh, Storm. You know, and all sorts of... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, Not which I, actually which actually brings in brings me to mind. It's like, wait, maybe Danny Moonstar gets the sword? I, I doubt it, but... Because uh, we don't... We still don't know. Well, no, because... Uh, the the prophecy is pretty much clear on a whole bunch of a oh, few people. Like there's a couple of them still not clear on, but they're still like for the for the most part, you know who is who is what uh, during, right. with the prophecy on some of that stuff. So that being said, I think we're we're done with that. Unless you got something else on it. No, no, no. We've got a lot of books to go through, so I'm going to spin up the minigun if that's okay. Hit it. We're rapido, rapido fire, cuz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Am I going to watch Francis Fury? Anyway, um, uh, you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, I think we read a lot of the same stuff, so I'll go because we can do the stuff we have in common at the same time. Go Arrow number 12. Yep. Uh, this is apparently the last issue for now. Mm-hmm. We end on a cliffhanger. It's interesting to see Iron Man in older armor from what we're used to seeing now, as well as also, as well as seeing Arrow go through her own training montage. <laughs> Arrow's relationship with Madame Huang seems to have more to it as we as we go forward. Yeah, it's still weird on that part because it's like well, she's come off as a villain, but she's also the one training, and we st- we've gotten past stuff and for and, and present stuff, and it's, it's been weird to read on this one. But also, this this uh, issues kind of. Uh, the half of the issue was pretty much spent glowing on how how nice it was to uh, uh, finally uh, work with a, a an established hero or an Avenger, Iron Man. You know, just giving him his props and all that. I was like, okay, we can can we get more action instead of her monologuing about this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that was the crux of the book. And then, like Age of Seven said, it gets it gets a training montage and um. Something else I was going to actually say about that, but that's pretty much it. It's funny that you, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I'm. Tr- oh. I, it makes me think: where are we in relation to Agents of Atlas on this? Right, because she's dealing with some established heroes in that. Well, and that I'm glad you bring that up because she says early on in this book she was like, "Yeah, it's nice to work with a team." I'm saying like, "Wait, you're working with a team, Agents of Atlas?" But this probably could have been set before that. More likely than not, yeah. Because we don't, we like you said, we don't necessarily know the time, the timing of this. Even though we've seen like this, have, there's been a, a backup story that has been you know related to what's kind of going on. Right. So it's uh, more likely than not that this all happens well before any of the stuff that we know of uh, Arrow with regards to the agents of Atlas. Right. And uh, last but not least, though, uh, she also gets another potential new villain that 
may or may not be patterned off of um, Iron Man. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't believe this book is solicited in the near future. Right. I think this is the last issue for now, but I have a suspicion that because we ended on that cliffhanger, we might very well be seeing more of Arrow in the future. I would hope so, yeah, because at the end of the book, they was like, you want to see more Arrow? Check out Agents of Atlas, which uh, we haven't seen that book in a minute, but we do know uh, issues are coming. We do know why. Right. You know why? Why? It's because they were tying it into King and Black. Which... That's... I kid you not. It's in January solicits. Oh, I'm not. Out. I'm not doubting that. It's just stupid. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about. No, in the January solicits, it came out tonight. The next Agents of Atlas book is tied into King and Black, and what are you going to do? Uh, so anyway, any next up anyway, for keep me going. is yeah. yeah. <laughs> next up for me is Batman 101. Uh, Batman's new status quo is established as Lucius Fox has become Wayne family rich. And Bruce Wayne is forced to scale back his spending as Batman as a result. He even sets up moving out of uh, Wayne Manor. It's not exactly new ground, but it sounds a lot like what's happening uh, in Iron Man right now. I guess taking away the billionaire's money is all the rage. Ha, ha, ha. Also, <laughs> Gotta do something reach... to reinvent him. Say again? Gotta do something to reinvent him. It's funny. And... Uh, and also, they reintroduce Grifter of the Wildstorm universe into the DC universe, and they set up Catwoman's status quo. And are they um, setting up Catwoman's status quo for the near future and leading up to the Tom King Batwoman Catwoman book? We shall see. Um, next up for me is Daredevil number 23. I definitely recommend Daredevil to anyone who is looking for something to pick up. We catch up on the history of Kirsten McDuffie, reintroduced last issue. Daredevil sets, thing, sets things right with both Elektra and Spider-Man while establishing a new kingpin of crime for New York City while Wilson Fisk remains mayor of New York City. The cliffhanger of the book teases Zdarsky's plot lines circling back. Uh, before uh, you go on further, I know this, for some strange reason there was an uh, interesting mention of Shadowland in, a, in an article this week. I don't know if that has anything to do with what is what you just said, but that is just something to know. And you can see that article in the, uh, the in the show notes in the clickbait section. Okay. Uh, next up is a book I believe you read, Falcon and Winter Soldier number four. Yep, this is fun. All right, so I finally broke down and read this. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to read about someone with a twisted agenda trying to reform Hydra, sort of. Uh, this natural character is still annoying, but I'm an old curmudgeon now, apparently. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, and they really need to give that fool an another name. Uh, but he's a kid, so, I mean, of course he's going to be somewhat annoying, you know, because he's basically a Captain America fanboy. And I do like, though, uh, in somewhat something that kind of mirrors real life, you know, people have this notion of Captain America, and 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 uh, and Sam and Bucky are like, okay, well, you do know that Captain America, you know, has a Jewish, you know, Jewish parents, and, and you know, the super serum was uh, by a German doctor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he's basically yeah, and he's the son of Irish immigrants. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they basically said, "Don't say that," because there are because there are people out there in real life on social media who's like, "Oh, Captain America, da 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 da." I was like, "Okay, yeah, but y'all don't realize they do the same thing with Superman, you know, uh, mm -hmm. who's an, who's an alien." But right. 
and but in this uh, they pretty much channel i feel like they channel some of that in this um in this issue with that with the natural being you know these probably not being, as bad as these people yeah. but you know yeah being but, ignorant of the, of the uh the facts of the character yeah but also loving the character oh so, but being ignorant of the character right. as well so that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, lo- loving the character, but being ignorant of uh, of the the back some of the background of it. So they basically was like, yeah, Captain America is is you know Steve is America because he's you know a, a a melding of all these other things and not because you know X Y and others he would like people think anyway. Mm-hmm. So next up for me is Iron Man number two. I believe you read this also. I did. So Tony's on a search for self right now, and that's fine. It's interesting that the new Korvac is essentially a fourth version of Adam Warlock, produced by the Enclave. Wait, is that, where was that established? That What's that? Where was that part established? Right at the beginning. Okay, because I know there was a but Adam. When did Warlock ever ever have a cybernetic body? No, but the thing is, here's the thing: he was grown by the Enclave as a group of scientists. Yeah. this is way back in Fantastic Four number sixty-six. Okay, and I believe the scientist that's named here is probably, probably not the same, but probably related to because he's got the same last name of one of the doctors in that group. Okay, so it's basically Korvac's essence in with uh, Adam Warlock's uh, being grown in the same way as Adam Warlock with a cybernetic body. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. He just says, "Call me Korvac." Right. So we don't know all of those details yet, but they mentioned Enclave and they call him Adam Four. So sure. that leads me to believe that, um, you know, that these are the same folks that created Adam Warlock. Okay, see, that part so, I didn't pick up on. I was just, again, they're like they've tried four times, three other times before, and they, this is, okay, well, I didn't pick up on that part. Okay. Um, so, you know, he's at least, uh, or at least the this is, uh, he's produced by the Enclave, or at least the latest version of the Enclave. Um, Arcade makes a guest appearance away from Black Widow. And Crusher Creel makes an appearance away from the pages of the Immortal Hulk. Yeah. Uh, and Cardiac makes an appearance and rightfully criticizes the healthcare system in the U.S. Yeah, and, away from Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, but yeah. Um, right. And we get um, Iron, we get a, a showing of how Iron Man is actually still very vulnerable, even though he has armor. Which, I mean, it's not like we didn't know that, but... You know, sure. They're 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 bringing them back to bases with us, and so it's you know they're putting them in a vulnerable state for a reason. That I assume, I I still say they're getting them back to basics and back to old the gold classic Tony Stark and not the MCU version. And I'm hoping that's the case, but that's just me. Anyway, continue. It's still gonna be a combination, I think, of the two. Yeah. Uh, next up for me is Juggernaut number two. Did you read this? I have. So this was a story that was an interesting reflection in so many ways on the commonalities and differences between the Juggernaut and the Hulk. We also get some more information on when this happens in relation to the establishment of Krakoa. Yes. Um, I I enjoyed this issue a, a good bit. And yeah, the, the whole part about the whole YouTube, quote-unquote YouTube influencing thing is slightly annoying to me, but... In service of where this um, of, of this episode go, of this issue goes, and by the way, and it's set before um, it, they was nice enough to say it's it's set up before Immortal Hulk number thirty, which is pretty much the uh, the last few issues um, ago. I think probably before he 
before yeah what happens with uh, everything that's going on in the book right now that led up to right now um and yeah i do love the fact that it was like okay even though you know so yeah the hulk and juggernaut fought but it didn't last that long and i do love how the fact that the, basically the hulk still won even though he lost right but what 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 happens uh, at the end of the uh near the end of the book i'm like well touche there you go and and puts kane in a place now the fact that uh like you said set up the um the whole Krakoa thing that was big that was kind of a big oof it was like he was the man was in the hospital and he was like yeah man can i come to can i come to the uh can I come to the thing and be on the X Men? Like, dude, you're not a mutant, which we knew was gonna was we knew was gonna happen. Like, you're not a mutant, so you're not a, you're not invited. Sorry, <laughs> but I'm but, but I'm rooting for you. I'm hoping you're gonna make some good decisions. Poop. It's like, damn, exactly. Xavier, that's your brother, man. Your half brother, but still, <laughs> exactly. that was cold. Exactly. No, but at the same time, I I feel like at least they 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 didn't necessarily part on the worst terms. Oh, totally. So. Yeah, totally. But it was still kind of cold, though. It was like you know, I was like, uh, nah, I see why he's been going coming against you all these years. You've been. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> because it weirdly enough took me back to Spider Man is Amazing Friends in that episode where the Juggernauts uh coming up to the X Men for some stupid reason, but. You know, like when he sounded like the Hulk, right? Uh, yeah. Well, none of that. He was like, I'm coming for you, Charles Xavier. You know. <laughs> yeah, the same roar sounds as the Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Which I need to I need to pull that clip because that's I, I always love that sound. Anyway, we, we're, we're getting cool. way off topic. Next up, uh, speaking of the Hulk, Maestro number three. Um, it's tough to read the Hulk's slow descent into the Maestro character. We also find out what happened to Marlowe. Honestly, I wouldn't care at all about this story if it weren't for the fact that Peter David, the original writer behind Future Imperfect, is behind the story. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, th- so yeah, the, the backup story pretty much deals with what happened to Marlowe, and I'm like, oh, why are they doing this? Like, it's, again, we have, you know, I, I don't know, It's they've done this to, to, to female characters in the past, and it's like, no, nope, this is just like, just bam. Literally, in this case, blam. <laughs> this whole story was just set up what happened to her, and they just like, well, here we go, just shot her. Spoilers. Mm. But, um, but yeah, the rest of the issue was pretty much like, uh, hey, uh, met up with Hercules, who apparently is the maestro. They had a little bit of a, a, a tussle, and then um, the Hulk meets up with Rick Jones and pretty much tells Rick Jones, like, nah, screw humans. <laughs> so I'm going to go off and do this other thing, and he goes off to do this other thing and then goes back to um to the city and start some shit. There you go. All right. Um next up is Oh, and I'm still trying to remind if we did this off camera just before the show, still trying to remind Roddy Cat that he does need to read Future Imperfect sooner rather than later. Um yeah, it'll happen. Thanks to Marvel Unlimited, which is now, I think you you probably have it in the... In, We're, it's in the, the notes. We'll get there. Yeah, it's in the notes. You know? We'll get there. <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, next up is Spider-Woman number five. Um, my unfamiliarity with Spider-Woman's origin again rears its head. And I have to <laughs> remind myself to go back and read up on her connection to the high evolutionary. Hmm. Her, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in this issue. It's kind of, it's I was kind of, kind of uh, yeah, I was kind of thrown off kilter a little bit, and I was just like, you know what? I need to figure out how all these folks are supposed to be connected. So here's the thing: just like Carol Dan was her uh, Jessica's uh, uh, backstory is a little 
crazy, convoluted, some would say. Uh, just it kind of goes places. So yeah, good luck with that. Although, I mean, you, you know, there's a. I'm sure you can go to hit the wiki and get the finer points. Uh, but right, without having to uh, uh, take a look for all of the books on Marvel Unlimited, but right. at the same time, it might be worth it. You know, I'll start yeah. with the wiki. I'll start with the uh, what you call it, the Ohatmu. I can guarantee entry. you. Yeah, I can guarantee you. There's probably some stuff in there that'll be like, okay, I need to read about this. Yeah. And also worth noting that uh, while this is issue five, this is uh, legacy issue number one one hundred for her, which is why it's a slightly bigger uh, or watch a slightly bigger book. So uh, unless you're finished, I don't know if you were finished with what you were going to say because I'll, I'll go into my notes real quick. Okay, uh, legacy issue one hundred with that sweet Greg Land cover. Wait, wait, wait! I've got, <laughs> I've got a. Uh, 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 um... Hey, boom! <laughs> I did that for just specifically for. For, uh, uh, for, for uh, I really hope I haven't picked up my books yet this week. Um, I, I think I'll be going in tomorrow to pick them up. Um, I'm honestly hoping and praying that I can get a variant cover. Hmm. Which uh, also, yeah, which is uh, another thing to bring up that I didn't have in my notes. Uh, basically, Jess versus her mother. Like so, and just like I said, what last week, week or two before, it's always about clones with these spider people, and sure enough, that is pretty much a thing that's happened here. Uh, and we get the answer to, as to why uh, Jess is keeping the new suit, even though we didn't necessarily need an answer to that. Um, but yeah, and throughout the so there's the main story, which kind of gets to a place, um, and then there's the backstory, which uh, in the midst of the backstory, um, or not the backstory, the, the backup story, excuse me, uh, there are a series of uh, uh, I don't want, I don't know if there were actual variant colors or faux variant colors that gets interspersed in between it, which is slightly kind of jarring because it kind of breaks it up, it breaks up the action, but it's also kind of neat. They may or may not have something to do with um, the, you know, what is going on in the backup story, but doesn't seem like it. But also, uh, we found out from the backstory that uh, Jess is going to space with uh, Carol next issue. Right. All right. All right, and last for me is Nightwing number 75. Of course, I jumped out of order alphabetically on this. Uh, it's like Batman 101. Uh, we get a new status quo for Nightwing, and the KG Beast is back to finish the job, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I saw something about that. I was like, I was almost tempted to, to, to check that out, but I was like, I haven't really been keeping up on... That whole thing. So yeah, it's one it? of those anniversary type issues where you know, much like Fantastic Four twenty five, you can jump on and you know they really do a decent job of making sure you don't need to have read everything right. to see where we're going now. Right, and weirdly enough, I've recently read that um, that uh, Batman uh, Pennyworth R.I.P. book uh, issue for some strange reason. Okay, uh, and of course that was back when you know like right out you know to. Um, when night when when Dick was still Rick, because uh, I know he's supposedly he's back now, back to his old self now or whatever. So that was you know it was a weird read, even though you know I hadn't been keeping up with any of that stuff. So regardless, uh, so you're done with yours? Yeah, I am done. You can go right ahead. Cool. So I only have a couple of books because like uh, we've kind of dealt the thing on this. Um, wait, let me make sure. Yep. Werewolf by Night, number one. Let's get it started in here. <clears throat> so now that I got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> so this is the book that was being written by Taboo of the Black Eyed Peas and I think 
Benjamin Jackendorf or something like that. I don't know. There's another name that's that's said in the in the beginning of this issue. Uh, that's probably still him, but sure. Um, son's getting real low, big guy, because it's kind of sort. I thought was kind of a sort of a reference to that in this. So basically, this is a story of uh, Jake Gomez, who is a, a Native American uh, kid. I think he's around 17 years old, who has inherited the powers of uh, the werewolf by night. Uh, we don't know who his father is. I slightly suspect, uh, even though we get mentions of his father, but not necessarily the former um, werewolf by night, Jack Russell. <laughs> but I suspect the two might be related. I don't know. Uh, but we pretty much get to see, you know, um, it, this story pretty much establishes, um, you know, this character. He's already in relatively full command of his power the people close to him knows knows who he is you know like his, his grandmother and his uh i guess his best friend girlfriend whoever she is um um molly i believe her name was and uh he's working at this one big company as a janitor or something but there's some shenanigans going on in there and his friend molly was like well we can go in there and do some good and and you know mess up the place because we know they're we know they're probably doing something bad going to find out that that might be the case and on the other side of this we see a recurring well we see another character that we haven't seen in a minute uh red wolf uh come into play and apparently he's working with the feds now which boo but uh as we know you know red wolf kind of came was yanked out the past into the present and was getting established as of a few years ago but it seems to be kind of sort of established uh, and uh, outlawed is is mentioned here and we get Red Wolf's thoughts on that. Uh, so we uh, assume, we can pretty much rightly assume that the two characters are probably going to meet at some point, even though they, well, they almost did in this issue, but uh, they have not uh they have not done so yet. And there's also another thing where there are um, uh, people getting kidnapped off of reservations uh, that uh, comes into play at the end of the book and another group of people that um, Jake ends up running into that may or may not have something to do with it or probably doing the same thing as he was attempting to do at the time. But we don't know. I I think this is, what, a six-issue miniseries, if I'm not mistaken. I will we'll probably have to look that up. But I don't know. That whole, okay, we, we don't know if how much of the heavy lifting that taboo is doing with the writing um, or, you know, what his input is on this one, but it seems interesting enough just to check out the next issue of just to see if it's going to go anywhere. I, I will say that uh, team Titans number 46. So the team's kind of sort of back together again, and they're pretty much, uh, they're still trying to find Damien, but now they have the help of Superboy, who, for some strange reason, can come back and forth from the future. Um, which kind of messed with me for a second. It's like, well, he's from the future. You would think he would know where where Damien was, <laughs> but apparently, and they come to the find out that um, you know they're on a wild goose chase, and Damien's not going to get found by them. So Superboy leaves, uh, and the team you know, kind of take some time to, uh, uh, once again, to kind of reevaluate the situations. But uh, at the end of the issue, a, a, a former lesser villain strikes 
she a couple of members of the team and kind of does a thing uh, to kind of does a thing that's going to bear out in the next couple of issues. Uh, and this, I know we do know that Teen Titans is uh, ending, and we also know that Future State is uh, forthcoming, which you know one has to do with the other, and more than likely than not. But regardless, here we are. Uh, last book, Batman White Knight presents uh, Harley Quinn number one. So this is set in the um, Elseworlds world of uh, Batman White Knight, which I still say uh, folks should read because it's really good. Who cares if it's an Elseworld? A good story is a good story. Uh, I know some people have a problem with that kind of stuff for some stupid reason. I'm like that, you know, so what if it's not canon? It's still a good read. Anyway, uh, this is pretty much uh, sets place a couple of years after the events of the last uh, miniseries. There's been like three uh, of the, the, the Batman white Knight uh, miniseries by um, Sean Gordon and Murphy and crew. Um, Hardy's a mom, got a couple of kids and she's pretty much, you know, dealing with white uh, life a couple of years after Azrael um, uh, does what he does. Batman's in jail, so we we get a glimpse of Bruce, uh, you know, Bruce still in the because they talk. But uh, the crux of the story is Duke. Uh, yes, that Duke, the signal. Um, uh, but he's not going by the signal in this in this universe. He's kind of grown up and working for the GCPD or with the GCPD. Well, he's not necessarily working for the GCPD, but a kind of an offshoot of the GCPD that was established uh, in previous miniseries. But they need uh, help on a case uh, dealing with serial killers of golden age uh, movie stars, which, funnily enough, one of the, the victims uh, happens to be a person named James Turner. And the the murder happens in Turner Mansion, which, if uh, you know, folks are keen, might have uh, some allusion to Ted Turner, who's not a movie star, but I'm just saying, it's it's right there. Um, and the victims get kind of uh, dressed up in, in the, or the place the, the murder scene gets dressed up in a in a scene of uh, old movies, which we come to find out that uh, the person that is involved is a character that was established in the last volume of the miniseries, who was pretty much a Joker idol, uh, who idolized Joker, but they kind of swept him away uh, during the course of the, that whole thing, and now has become the person that Hardy is going to go after at the end of this issue. Um. Yeah, this seems all right. I like this version of Harley because the, the and there's also a, a slight retconning of their first of uh, Joker, aka Jack Napier, in this universe. This is uh, first meeting. It was not as what history the classic really knows as, but in a slightly different setting under a different uh, way. But uh, but of course, the bat is also involved. So. Like I said, if you've if you've read those other couple of uh, other few uh, Batman White Knight miniseries and and interested in the character, uh, check this out because it it's, seems like a neat start so far. And that is it for me. All righty, so I guess it is time for clicks of the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we got one click. Um, from uh, one of our absentee partners here. Fantastic Four number five is Tim's click of the week. 25. 25, excuse me. Sorry. Um, 
three, sir, three. Um, Panther for twenty five for Tim, but he also said that was the only book he had read. So I was about to say Roddy Cat calling out the signals for the play. Um, <laughs> no, that was a Monty Python reference, but that's right. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> I was about to say I got football on the brain. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, unfortunately, PCN underscore Dirt said that he had not yet read anything this week, so that's fine. Yeah. I will say that my click of the week, as I said earlier, is between Fantastic Four number 25 and Guardians of the Galaxy number 17. But I think in the end, I will go with Tim Dog 98 and second Fantastic Four number 25. Nice. Um,. I'm sorry, just checking. Um, I am kind of halfway to thirding that notion. Um, because there were some fun books this week. Like Falcon and Winter Social was fun. Guardians was definitely pretty good. Um, Sp- I guess Spider-Man for what it was. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Um, that Juggernaut book was actually uh, surprisingly good, even though you know, you know what? Yes, I'm going to go with Juggernaut. I'm going to go with Juggernaut number two. I do, I did definitely enjoy Fantastic Four number twenty five, and it would, de- and it's definitely a potential click of the week, and definitely was uh, a pretty great read, and you should definitely do it. But I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Juggernaut number two, just for a little bit of uh, sprinkling here. All right, and with that, we will transition over into the news. But first an ad read our first ad read of the night is for blue aprons meal delivery service blue apron fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door skip the grocery store because we all should try to do that and make incredible meals at home with blue apron always shipped free right to your home and now the listeners of the comic book chronicles can get 30 dollars off your first blue apron order to place your first order with $30 off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And as we do uh, every uh, every week about this time, we start off with the cinematic news. There was a lot of it. We're going to try to burn through some of this. I am sorry, not sorry at all. Uh, DuckTales, Matt. As I nod my head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there was some enjo- there was some good stuff I thought was this week, so whatever. Uh, Matt Youngberg and Francisco Agones, uh, Ag- and Gones, my apologies, on fitting in uh, Darkwing Duck. So, Darkwing Duck. So, basically, this is... Um, the uh the the uh, the executive producers of DuckTales uh, talking about you know uh basically Darkwing Duck and them trying to fit it into the current uh, DuckTales season. It's a fairly interesting read. You should check that out. Next up. Uh it's been revealed that the upcoming Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers <laughs> live action movie is coming to Disney Plus. It's also been revealed that the movie will begin 
production in spring of 2021. It's believed that the original voice cast, including Tress McNeil, Chip and Gadget, Corey Burton, Dale and Zipper, and Jim Cummings, Monterey Jack, are returning for the movie. But that has yet to be officially confirmed by Disney at this time. Uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers is set to be directed by Akiva Schaefer, who says the movie will be meta, something self-referential and cool. Okay. Don't mess this up. Whatever you do, don't mess this up if you're going to do it. Anyway, uh, rumor, Bo-Katan will co-star in Cara Dune's Mandalorian spinoff. So apparently there's a rumor that uh, the uh, Gina, Gina, uh, what's her last name? Carano. Carano, thank you. Gina Carano's character's, character is going to get uh, a spinoff from the Mandalorian and that quite potentially Bo-Katan, the sister of... Um, um, Wow, I am blanking on names right now. Um, um, uh, bah, 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 bah. Satine, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. The Countess. The, yes, the the uh, the the um, Mandalore's. Uh, well, Rip Satine. Huh. Anyway, um, that still hurts. <laughs> anyway, Satine's sister Bo-Katan, who was a part of uh, Death Watch. Um, uh, and I know has a turn in uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars season seven, which I still haven't gotten to yet. Uh, may possibly make a live action debut in this rumored series. But we'll see if any of that comes to pass. Next. All right, next up, Star Wars fans are eagerly awaiting the October 30th debut of The Mandalorian season two. And not just because we all need our baby Yoda fix. Uh, season two hmm. promises to expand the scope of the series and bring in a few fan favorite characters for good measure. We can look forward to Timuera Morrison reprising the role of iconic bounty hunter Boba Fett, while both Bo-Katan Kryze, as we mentioned just now, and Ahsoka Tano herself are said to be making the jump from animation to live action. Um, but there is a hint that Sabine Wren could join her fellow Mandalorians in battling the Darksaber-wielding Moff Gideon and liberating their homeworld. Apparently, there's an article here that goes through all the clues. Which, depending on... Well, we know when this is set, so we know she's going to be um, an adult. Because at first when I read this, I'm like, well, wait a minute, that's not... Because she would be young at this point, but no, this is set after... um, Return of the Jedi, if I'm not mistaken. Or, I, you know, I totally forgot where the hell this thing uh, is said at, now that I'm thinking about it. But basically, it is, some, it is some later time. So she would be of some sort of adult age. So if that is comes coming to pass, I hope that happens. And I'm kind of curious as to who they would get to play Sabine. So, next up. Um, speaking of the Mandalorian, but not... Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi star Ewan McGregor donned his old costume for camera tests on the Mandalorian set. Um, so apparently, um, let's see, Ewan McGregor was on some podcast and he told the host that he had already put on the, uh, the iconic Jedi Master's robe for camera tests while visiting to set of the Mandalorian with uh, di- uh, director Deborah Chow. I find I personally find it hard to believe that you just go into a set for just a uh, a camera test. <laughs> so I'm kind of halfway wondering if you know Obi Wan's going to show up on the Mandalorian for some in some kind of way. 
but that's just me speculating and not this article. Um, but anyway, uh, oh, uh, Ewan McGregor says, uh, it was funny working on set because it was a lot of the Mandalorian crew and I walked on and it was a big moment. I walked into the dressing room and there was my beige cloaks and my belts and boots. Like it was, oh my God, it's my old costume. It was amazing. So, yeah. Again, it's nice that he can still fit into them. I know, right? So, which, yeah, I guess given, because he has, you know, I know his last role that I know of was that, uh, was he was in Birds of Prey. And he still seemed in relatively similar shape. But then again, he had no suit, so you really can't, can't tell. And those robes are probably, you know, it, it's a robe. So I'm sure they're they're not, you know. Exactly. They expand a little bit. I mean, granted, the, the robe itself, but not the uh, the inside stuff. Right. The garment. Anyway, so, yeah, there is that. We'll see if anything else comes out of that. But I, if that was just it and he was just there on some camera test, because I, I'm assuming this uh, the child who was the director, he's probably working on his um, his show also. So maybe that was just it. And, you know, the speculation is just mine alone. But we'll see. Next up. All righty. Next up. Uh. Marvel's MODOK showrunners, Pat Oswalt and Jordan Blum, revealed that Marvel gave them the green light to use characters from the X-Men universe in Hulu's upcoming adult stop-motion animated series. This all happened during Hulu's MODOK presentation at New York Comic Con, where a pair of first-look clips were revealed. Pat Oswalt, who also voices the eponymous villain, discussed what fans can expect from the show alongside Blum. Uh, alongside Blum, Amy Garcia, Ben Schwartz, and Melissa Fumero. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, Spider-Man 3's first look is reportedly coming in 2020. There's not much left in 2020, so if they're going to do that, get a move on. Uh, Expo Cine 2020, Sony Pictures has allegedly said that we'll get our first look at Spider-Man Far From Home's sequel in December 2020. As reported by some rumor site or some site, uh, Camilla Pacheco, the uh, ex- probably not related to Carla, um, or maybe she is, or maybe they are. Who knows? Uh, the executive marketing director of Sony Pictures Entertainment in Brazil told uh, attendees that the film has already started production and that we would get our first look at the film this December 2020. Um. So, yeah, stay tuned for that, uh, if that should happen. Uh, she also confirmed that Spider-Man 3's December 17th, 2021 release date is still what the studio is planning. So, there you go. Next. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has cast the Babysitter's Club star Zochiti Gomez in a mystery role. After the events of... Avengers Endgame Benedict Cumberbatch is returning to the role of Doctor Strange for a new solo film in Phase 4. The movie was originally set to hit theaters in 2021 and be directed by Scott Derrickson, but changes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now we'll see it released in 2022 with Sam Raimi directing. So that's interesting that they have cast... Her, uh, this actress in a mystery role. I have seen reports of both. Um, my initial suspicion was that it was going to be um, what's her face, the um, the assistant, the new assistant. That's what my that's where Bell. I'm thinking. Yeah, Zelma Stanton. Yeah. yeah, but this article goes on to say that they're they're pos- they're thinking it might be a young uh, America Chavez. Mm-hmm. So I'm 
either one's fine with me. I would kind of want Zelma, to be honest, because we know, well, we don't know, but it has been rumored that uh, America Chavez could, if not, she doesn't show up here, well, might possibly show up some kind of way in WandaVision or something. I'm not entirely sure, but this would probably be a likely place as any uh, for that to be the case. But I'm still hoping not for Zelma. Um, next up, uh, Marvel taps. Speaking of, actually, um, Marvel taps Puerto Rican director uh, Alessandra Lopez for a mystery audio project. Um, orig- so this actually article has changed since I first got it because, uh, as it says here at the top, uh, originally believed to be a film project, director Alessandra Lopez has teased work on a scripted audio project featuring Marvel characters. So, and yeah, as you see here, it's been updated to revealed that it was an audio series and not a film stuff. Uh, so, technically she's not joining the MCU in a way. So, uh, so Lopez posted uh, the news on her Facebook account, writing that her next project will take her to Brooklyn, California, sharing a photo of herself in the studio with the Marvel logo displayed above her on the TV screen. Uh, it's not known what project it is to that she's going to direct, uh, and this goes into you know phase four film stuff. But since we now know that it's not uh, a film thing, um, I was partially thinking it was um, 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 the aforementioned America Chavez, something to do with America Chavez. But uh, it seems like that. Oh, I mean, still very much could be, but. You know, we we don't know, but it's also an audio thing right now. So or now, so it's not what people originally thought it was. Next up, next up, the Avengers are the latest group in Hollywood to support Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden by hosting a virtual fundraiser. Voters assemble featured Avengers cast members Don Cheadle, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Paul Rudd, Mark Ruffalo, and Zoe Saldana, and. Um, they will. They joined Vice Presidential Candidate Senator Kamala Harris, Harris, and Avengers Infinity War directors the Russo brothers for a Q and A and trivia. The fundraiser took place on October twentieth, and uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, as I just said, that was a couple of days ago as of this recording, and I didn't catch any of it, but. Uh, it is what it is. And no, we're not going to talk about that stupid Chris Pratt thing. Screw that dude. Um, <laughs> that is so sad. That the, Anyway. Um, Falcon and the Wilted Soldier is bringing back characters from some of the earliest Marvel movies. Um, so Falcon and Winter Soldier has a, a new Captain America, a new suit for Sam Wilson's Falcon, and potentially even a new change of allegiance for a Marvel villain. But it's not all out with the old uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and John Wick writer Derek Kolstad has teased the return of some familiar faces. Quote, unquote, these are characters from the earliest Marvel movies that are coming back. They are layering them in and reinventing them in such a way that it's going to be a shift in the storyline structure. Uh, Kolstad told some podcast about the, the Disney Plus show. So it didn't give any clues yet, but um, it sounds like it's it may yet draw from that phase one pool of talent in the same way in the upcoming WandaVision is bringing back Kat Dennings from the first Thor movie or from Thor movies. Anyway, next. 
Netflix has dropped the first trailer for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the last film Chadwick Boseman worked on before his death in August. This would be an empty world without the blues, Viola Davis's Ma Rainey announces as the trailer opens. And uh, you can go and tune in to that. Yeah, yeah that's the Viola Davis movie and, like I said, Chadwick's last one. Um, Smallville's Laura Vandervoort wishes Supergirl got more closure. So before the Arrowverse took over, there was Smallville, uh, the CW's illustration of Superman's mythos. The, the show ran for 10 seasons, charting Clark's early life to his move to, to uh, Metropolis and becoming the Man of Steel, and apparently him finally getting the suit at the last episode, which people have had some issues with. Um, during the 10 season run, many characters from Clark's lore were adapted, including Supergirl. At the New York Comic Con's uh, Smallville reunion panel, Laura Vandervoort, who played Supergirl on the show, expressed her desire for Kara to have uh, more closure. Moderator asked if the panel, asked the panel, if everyone liked how the characters developed over time and what the cast wished the writers had explored. Uh, Vandervoort replied, "It's hard for me to remember every episode and what her arc was. I have said publicly that I wish uh, Kara was more in the finale." At the wedding, uh, she didn't have closure. Uh, she showed her flew off, and we never saw her again. Uh, it would have been nice for myself personally, and I think for the characters that have said goodbyes, I didn't have any proper goodbyes. So, there you go. Next. All right. Uh, Titans has started production, and cinematographer Boris Mashovsky. Uh, celebrated returning to set with a series of new photos from season three. Mashovsky shared the photos on Instagram. Titan season three, day one. Yup, for real. He wrote as the caption, but didn't exactly say it that way. One image shows a set location while another debuts the Titans-themed hand sanitizer the show is giving to its cast and crew while it films during the coronavirus pandemic. And you too can make your own hand sanitizer by following these MC books. That's what I will go through right now. I really won't, but I should probably put that article in the um in the news just in, I mean in the, the, the thing just for giggles. Not giggles, just for sake. We still need hand sanitizers is still a thing people need, folks. Wash your hands. Yep. Wash your hands, wash your face, wear your masks. God damn it. Yeah, it's obviously uh, a lot easier to get now, but it's still something we're gonna need for a while. This is true. Uh, Suicide Squad spinoff show reportedly starts filming in January. Uh, James Gunn's Suicide spinoff series Peacemaker reportedly starts filming in January. One of the many upcoming additions to the DC Extended uh, Universe in 2021, John Cena's Peacemaker will be a new member of Task Force X in Gunn's sequel reboot of 2016's uh, Suicide Squad. While Suicide Squad does not hit theaters until next august cena is always already reprising his role in a peacemaker spinoff series for hbo max which we kind of already talked about in the past but uh it's eight eight episodes and the title is uh once again described as a douchey captain america and the series will see gun producing which uh and writing every episode and directing several episodes as we have said in the past next Next up, Doom Patrol Season 2 smashes onto Blu-ray and DVD early next year. Um, get ready to embrace the strange. DC's favorite misfit heroes are back to save the world once again. With the release of Doom Patrol, the complete second season on Blu-ray and DVD on January 26, 2021. 
from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. So you get nine, all nine episodes from the second season. Um, the price is twenty nine ninety eight uh, for the DVD and thirty nine ninety nine for the Blu-ray, which includes a digital copy. Okay. Or you can watch it on HBO Max if you got that. <laughs> um, Two. But be sure to smash that like button. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Jared Leto's Joker joins Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, no. Thank you. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Jared Leto's Joker is returning to the DC Extended Universe for Zack Snyder's Justice League. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Leto is taking part in the reshoots for the four-part HBO Max miniseries, which will serve as Snyder's definitive take on the 2017 film, which shouldn't be coming out. Stupid fans. Leto's sorry that last part was me editorializing. Um, Leto played the Joker, and y'all y'all already know that we don't. I, I I watched Suicide Squad fairly recently, and he's still the most sucky part of that movie. Um, and that's probably saying something, but who knows? Huh? So that's saying a lot. Yeah. Um. Uh, in fact, uh, let's see. Uh, Warner Brothers' interference with Superstar Squad and the eventual success of the release of Snyder Cut movement resulted in a similar fan campaign to convince the studio to release David Edgar's uh, original cut of his film, The Suicide Squad. The, but basically, it's the saying that yeah, his 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 uh, Leto's role in Suicide Squad was kind of cut uh, for reasons. Who cares? He didn't need to be in there. Next up. Justice League producers Jeff Johns and John Berg will reportedly have their producer credits removed from the Zack Snyder cut of the film slated to arrive on HBO Max in 2021. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Johns and Berg will not receive producer credits on the Snyder cut, which is currently undergoing reshoots. The site goes on to state that sources close to Berg and Johns have confirmed their intentions to remove their names from the Snyder cut since they are not working on the project and are no longer Warner Brothers studio executives. Okay. Sure. All right. Uh, Michael Keaton says his Batman return isn't official yet. Uh, we're having discussions, quote-unquote. So this is a, kind of feels like almost like that uh, Tatiana Maslany uh, news from last week. But recent reports have suggested that, um, well, they did more to suggest that Michael Keaton was in line for a surprise return as Batman in 2022's The Flash opposite Ezra Miller. The actor, though, has cold speculation in a new update uh, during an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Uh, Keaton, unsurprisingly, uh, was reluctant to rubber stamp bats to rubber bat stamp his return as the Kid Crusader. Uh, quote, we are having discussions, as they say, we're talking about it. We'll see if it happens. Uh, something the actor was keen to share, though, was his opinion on his favorite Batman, especially off the back of him potentially starring uh, alongside another Dark Knight in Ben Affleck uh, in the 2022 DC movie. So out of all the on-screen bats from George Clooney to Christian Bale, who was his favorite? Uh, me, Keaton says enthusiastically. He also jokes that all 27 quote unquote all 127 Batman would show up for the flash. Um, which I'm pretty sure he was joking, you know, that, uh, so yeah, so I guess, you know, that's it. There was no confirmation on whether he was referring, whether he's uh, returning or not, even though new cycles kind of picked it up and ran with it at the time, just like the other stuff. Next up, 
All righty, next up, uh, let's see. Actor Michael B. Jordan and his team at Outlier Society have signed on to produce DC's upcoming Static Shock movie. As first reported by The Hollywood Reporter, Jordan is joining director Reginald Hudlin on the upcoming theatrical release based on the 1993 comic series of the same name. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Hopefully you don't mess it up. Uh, Adrian Palicki opened up about the Wonder Woman show that never was. Uh, I believe October 18th was Wonder Woman Day. So that's, uh, I believe, why a lot of this news coming out, including, actually, I will go ahead and say that um, uh, Linda Carter wrote uh, an article for the Mary Sue, which we will find uh, uh, in the clickbait section, which, you know, uh, which was... uh, a, a nice uh, love letter to, you know, the Wonder Woman's fans, basically. Um, well, not quite, but regardless, you should check it out. It's a good read. Uh, but yeah, there was a time where we almost got a different Wonder Woman show. David E. Kelly uh, from Ally McBeals and uh, Big Little Lies was slated to bring us a live action Wonder Woman TV, and Adrian Palicki was uh, was um, playing the title character. Uh, that never happened, uh, and I think there is, there is still a the pilot still floating around out there. If anybody's gotten gotten a chance to see it, I haven't still have yet to see it. Not that I think about it, but we also know Adrian Palicki ended up being a mockingbird, and we're all better for it. Uh, but she did a recent she did an interview with uh, Entertainment Weekly, and Palicki opened up about her brief moment as Diana Prince and the show that never aired, uh, which was due to D- NBC's decision not to pick up the series as a pilot. Uh, she says it was the scariest thing ever and the best thing ever at the time. Getting to where the outfit was just a huge dream. Um, and then the article just goes on to say, talk about the how different that show was from anything in canon or or excuse me, even Linda Carter's version of the show. So, but you can check that out. Next up. Next up, Star Trek Discovery has been renewed for season four. The cast appeared in a special video to announce that filming for the next season will begin on November 2nd. Good for them. Yeah, I think uh, season G3 just started up recently, actually, um, and I'm hearing good things about it. I still yet to check out that show outside of the first couple of episodes. Uh, Space Jam synopsis for LeBron James' sequel, Services. Uh, synopsis, a synopsis for Space Jam, A New Legacy, the upcoming sequels, uh, 19, wait, the up, the upcoming sequel to 1996's Space Jam, a little bit of editing goes a long way, folks, uh, has found its way online and teases NBA superstar LeBron James embarking on quest with cartoon icons, Bugs Bunny through various Warner Brother worlds. Um, the synopsis was shared on Twitter, which some of you probably saw by Final Space writer Ben Meckler. Um, and it kind of goes on tour, which I won't go into it, but you can read about it if you didn't see it um, on Twitter. Next. Next up, uh, Legendary Pictures is developing a new Buck Rogers film. Beedy, 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 beedy. Beedy. With plans to expand into a full-fledged franchise. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Legendary secured the rights to the character and the movie will be produced by Angry Films' Don Murphy and Susan Montford. From there, the team plans to branch the property out into a television and anime series. Okay. Well, you know, if they get another, what was her name, Erin Gray, I'm down. Right? 
I, oh wait, yeah, she's around. I wonder if they'll have her not reprise the role, but just kind of pop in. Mm-hmm. Man, I, you, you, I I was gonna ask you if you remember that show, but it sounds like you did. Given that <laughs> the one no, other, I de- all I remember is Aaron Gray. Yeah, see, that's pretty much like Duncan Rod. Yeah, uh, um, Gil Gerard, You know, he he did whatever, and of course, um, 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 Twiggy and all that kind of good mess. But yeah, Aaron Gray. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Next up, uh, the last Starfighter two is finally moving forward. Confirms writer. Um. Yeah, so audience love the eighty years and of returning to, to, to the Death Gate has been a surefire way to hit the right until no, let's skip all of that. Um what's this dude's name? Jonathan Bettle Bettle has now offered a promising update on his long gestating sequel. Um it looks like we'll be making the deal to get it going. Gary uh, Gary Witter uh, of uh, Rogue One fame uh, and other things uh, as a gifted collaborator. We'll be writing the script together, but it's taking a long time. Um, I had to go through a long process that took years to recapture the rights, and that was recently completed. And although nothing is ever as clear sailing, it looks like we'll have a really good opportunity now. So I'm really looking forward to it, to taking it up. So, yeah, if that still is going to happen, I guess it will. Next up. With three successful movies, more way a video game and ads playing in the background a number of spin-offs for both tv and cinema in the works john wick has been a hit for lionsgate now the company wants to turn its star franchise into a 10 story roller coaster for its motion gate theme park in dubai as reported by, by variety the john wick open contract ride along with another coaster designed after the now you see me franchise is due to open early next year in Dubai. Lionsgate has shared renderings of what both rides are expected to look like. And feel free to check out our show notes to look at that article. And shout out to uh, 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 Danny, I believe, uh, Impressive Geek. I believe that's what she's still going by. I'm not, actually, I can't even remember now. Who basically uh, retweeted and it was like, um, are you going to be able to shoot people off that ride? Or, or, or are people going to get shot off that ride or something like that? I'm like, you know, that is a question. You're kind of going to wonder. It's, it's John Wick. That's funny. I'm watching the ad play. Hmm. So... Yeah, you let me know what you think about that. But we were going to move on to a... I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. Boo! Oh, this is a travesty! Yes, it is. Uh, screw all you Apple people, because y'all are the problem. And I'm pointing like y'all can see me right now. Cause oh, can't. that is a travesty! Uh, so, ho- uh, Charlie Brown holiday specials won't air on TV this year as they move to Apple TV+. Plus. That's a travesty. It very much is. So for those of us of a certain vintage, the ho- the, the uh, Charlie Brown Hall- holiday specials, you know, the, the Christmas one, the, the Thanksgiving one, even that other bootleg one they did it on in, in, in the interim of one of the other holidays, uh, well, it's a staple of, of network TV. And now because of shenanigans, uh, excuse me, it says here, Apple TV Plus has teamed up with Wild Brain along with Peanuts Worldwide and Lee Mendelssohn Film Productions to become the home of all things Peanuts. Uh, which, didn't they just do a Snoopy movie that was on Sony just do a, super, a Snoopy movie like a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. So that's 
weird. But anyway, uh, bringing together new original series and specials along with iconic, beloved specials to fans all around the world, all in one place. Boo! God damn it. They used to run on TV. They still should on ABC like they had been. So, I mean, according to this article, because of course, this is what makes me read them now, right? Mm. Uh, As I hear of myself, uh, the Charlie Brown. Oh, what, what's it? It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown supposed to air for free on Apple TV for three days. Uh, actually, I think both of them are. Yeah, I think the, 30th, the Christmas one, the thirty-first to the first. Yeah, I believe the Christmas ones one is also. Uh, yeah, it looks like all three and Thanksgiving as right, well. Right. But the, the two main ones are are are, are uh, Great Pumpkin and uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas. So right. yeah, there's going to be a couple of free days. There's a little bit of a window for each special to play on Apple TV Plus. Ah, oh, this is bad. Right hold now, on. um, oh, hold on, I got this. Hey, boo! boo! <laughs> I will also direct you, uh, you good folks, to um, um, as you see me pulling this up right now, an article by Lifehacker. Uh, where you can watch ho- classic holiday specials for free, and mostly it's pointing to the Internet Archive VHS, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because of this. And it says here that um, yeah, because they're they're doing the you know, Apple TV's doing the whole free thing. Um, it sounds like you can still watch those uh, on the Internet Archive VHS Vault. Which there again, you can go to the clickbait section and and link off to that article and read that that and and other uh, Christmas specials, not including Emmett Otto's Jug Band Christmas, which is on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you should definitely watch that one. But yeah, like I said, this is just a list of other um, holiday specials that you can check out in addition to the, the Charlie Brown stuff um, for free, including the the Star Wars holiday special. Sound like trilogy. I don't remember what one, just one of them, but sure. But yeah, that's in that's that, and I'm going to say it one more time. Boo! Next up, that's that's just bad. That should be on network TV. That Agreed. should be something you could find on network TV. Agreed. Ah, oh, that's bad news, man. Yeah, oh. and I'm sure there's right. some Apple people who's like, hey, we got good, 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 good. Neither. Wait a second! I don't know any Apple people that laugh like that. You uh, know, there's some. You, you don't. You don't hit the. You don't get the right parts of the internet. Uh, or the wrong parts of the internet. Or the wrong parts. Opinion. Yeah. So, there's a, there's those snotty asses. Jeez, man, that's just crazy. All right, but um, some good news though. Yeah. Last but not well, least, kind of good news. Right. Hulu has released the first full trailer for the Animaniacs reboot, which brings Yakko, Wacko, and Dot into the 2020s to remind us of our long-ago nostalgia and add a little bit more of it to our strange new reality. The debut trailer has revived for Hulu's Animaniacs, which has revived the... Yeah, we know it's revived them. Okay. Yeah, go take a look at the re- at the at the at the uh, the trailer. It's pretty good. Yeah, they 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 do a take on some things, including like like I said, it's Trump Tinder and mansplaining. It's a pretty good. Did you watch it? I have not. Okay. I've only watched the uh, the teaser. The Jurassic Park teaser. Yeah. yeah, you should check it out. It's pretty good. Um, so if that's 
But anyway, yeah, y'all check it out if you haven't already. So now we're going to move over into the comic book section, and I will go ahead and point out here before we do in again that the clickbait section's got some stuff that you might want to check out. And also right. that uh, solicitations have come out for January 2021. Right, and it's worth taking a look at those and try not to spoil yourself. And we transition. Uh, from deceased, Damian Wayne's Batman has a major weakness for a Justice League hero. So this is coming off of deceased Dead Planet number four, which has been out um, for a week or two, I think. Or actually, might be. No, it's been out for a minute. Regardless, uh, in the DC deceased universe, universe, Damian Wayne's undergone a rebirth, evolving from a bitter teen to a superhero trying to inspire hope uh, after the Blighted One took over the Earth. He's he's basically got he's taken up the mantle of Batman since his dad died in that universe. Um and John Kent is taken up as the new Superman. Uh and apparently he's leading the likes of Black Canary, Green uh Green Lantern, who Black Canary has become the new Green Lantern in that universe. Lois Lane and other seniors at uh, Poison Ivy's Garden there to help. However, uh, the the Dark Knight has revealed a major weakness in the form of his love for Cassie Sandsmark, the new Wonder Woman. So, yeah, that's the thing. Apparently, they bonded at some point during this whole ordeal, and yeah, Damien's got a thing for Cassie. Next up. All right, next up, the digital first series, Deceased Hope at World's End, had, has been clearing up many of the minor elements of the deceased universe that weren't explored in the original series with one long-standing mystery of deceased uh, Hope at World's End being revealed. During a battle with Superboy and the other survivors, the blighted Black Adam unleashed a massive electrical blast that, among other things, permanently scarred Jimmy Olsen and cost him one of his eyes in deceased Hope at World's End number 11. Okay. Which a lightning blast to someone's eye would you would think would take out more than their eye. But hey, comics. Next up, mm. uh Deceased just brought a young justice powerhouse to the front lines, and this is um uh again, uh you know d- spoilers for Deceased Hope at Workers in Eleven, which I think came out like last week or something like that. Uh but basically Blue Beetle uh uh Jaime Reyes uh, has uh, is now on the front lines, which I don't remember him being in the, the original series in the first place. So, okay, sure. Next up. All right. Next up, we have some spoilers. A DC villain reveals his secret crush on Raven. Okay. There are some truly amazing love stories in the annals of DC comics. Um, in DC's The Doomed and the Damned lies one such love story involving featuring uh, involving Beast Boy and Raven enjoying a day date at the wharf, all the while being watched by Clarion, the witch boy, and his familiar Teak. Oh, Teakle. What? Teakle. Yeah, yeah. Teakle. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, apparently Teakle has a thing for, for Raven. So, okay. Um, oh, Clarion, not Teakle. Um, anyway. Death Metal, Scott Snyder explains that Superboy Prime change. And spoiler for Dark Knight's Death Metal number four. Uh, it says one of the most shocking moments in Dark Knight's Death Metal was the was when longtime villain Superboy Prime decided to join the heroes. 
As a surprise ally, Supermer Prime gave the vital crisis energy they sought to restore, gave them the, the vital crisis energy. We are still dealing with crises. Um, and the rest is a interview with CBR with Scott Snyder discussing the change, uh, which you can read in the show notes. Next. Okay. Uh, under Future State, a new Suicide Squad book will feature Connor Kent slash Superboy as its leader. The team's membership includes Batman's shape-shifting foe Clayface, who will morph into Martian Manhunter, Black Adam, and a character from Future State's Teen Titans. Okay. That's a weird, that's a weird looking cover, but yeah, I'm slightly curious about this whole uh, f- whole future stuff future state stuff right. as we talked about last uh, week DC right. revealed I was about to say they also revealed that the squad is located on Earth 3 which is home to the villainous crime syndicate so I right. guess that's where this story might be going right uh, but yeah so there's a lot more stuff coming out of uh, future state uh, from this or at least that has been coming out of future state since last week uh, DC will introduce Teen Titans Academy in 2021's Future State. So this pretty much sounds like the uh, Avengers Initiative. Uh, uh, upon its launch early next year, DC Comics Future State event will introduce a new element to the Teen Titans mythos, the Teen Titans Academy. Per Den of Geek, uh, Future State's Teen Titans title, which comes from the creative team of Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval reveals that at some point in the future, the Teen Titans Academy was established. At the Academy, veteran members of the team like Nightwing, Raven, and Cyborg uh, train newer members, such as Crush and Roundhouse, uh, to uh, to become heroes in their own right. However, the Titans find themselves being, quote-unquote, faced with the students that they could not teach. Um... So, yeah, uh, Future State's Teen Titans number one takes place in the aftermath of a mysterious betrayal that leaves the Teen Titans Academy in ruins with most of its students dead. Uh, additionally, the title will feature mainline DC Comics debut of Red X, an original character uh, from 2003's Teen Titans animated series. So, as we talked about kind of last week. Next up. All right. Future State's Green Lantern puts Jon Stewart back in the spotlight. Okay. Jon Stewart takes charge in the DC Future State Green Lantern title, part of DC's line-wide 2021 event, and a story that puts the whole Green Lantern core in a dire situation. Speaking with Den of Geek, Justice League Group editor Alex Carr said, John Stewart fans, apparently they've heard you. Hmm. Uh, Last Lanterns, the lead story in the 44-page oversized book, sees John Stewart leading the charge on a planet just about to be overrun by a galactic religious cult. It's their last stand against this group. However, the central battery that the Lanterns rely on to charge their power rings is out of energy. Carson, think of it like the Magnificent Seven, all these Green Lanterns with no power rings. Which Good I feel work. like they've done to Jon Stewart specifically and and, and some of the, the core before. Um, so this doesn't feel that different from that. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Next up, though, unless you finish. Nope, I'm done. Uh, DC introduces a Brazilian Wonder Woman in 2021's Future State. So when Roddy Cat said last week that Wonder Woman had a new uh, costume, he was mistaken. Um, DC Comics just announced Future State. We already talked about that. But um, Superman Group editor Jamie S. Rich spoke to IGN about several new Future State concepts. 
Uh, he said, we will eventually discover that there are connections to the other tribes of Amazons that we have established. Yara, uh, one of these new characters that is going to come out of Future State is called Yara Floor, the brand new Wonder Woman. Uh, and it says, uh, Yara does have some connection to the Amazons, and part of what we'll discover in her origin is what activates her position, what makes her Wonder Woman at the time. Uh, she's from Brazil, but she was an immigrant to America. Uh, there's always that element of her story. Even though we'll see her currently active as Wonder Woman, eventually we'll learn what her origin is. Uh, partially her figuring out what it, what that means, where she's from, why this is uh, her, how she relates to Diana, and how she relates to other Amazons. So, cool. I'm looking forward to the cosplay. I mean, I'm actually looking forward to, to checking this out, but also the cosplay. Next. Okay, next up. Uh, I didn't skip one. Okay. Uh, Nicholas Scott returns to Nightwing for Future State. Nicholas Scott's Nightwing is the poster boy for the Resistance in Future State. Okay. Several new visions of DC's future will be presented in early 2021 with Future State. And among those is that of Nightwing with longtime... Dick Grayson fan Nicholas Scott drawing his story. In Future State, Nightwing is the poster boy of the Resistance, as I said, according to Batman Group editor Ben Abernathy, and will be bringing sexy back. Oh, bringing sexy <laughs> back to borrow a popular phrase that was like popular several years back. Right. Batman is gone now. Nightwing has taken on the mission of keeping the citizens of Gotham City safe from the Magistrate. Okay. So that's where he's part of the Resistance. Hmm. That whole, the straps on the, the logo, the straps on the wing thing is kind of, I don't understand that, but yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, oh yeah, it says something like, keep in mind that Nicola, Nicola Scott drew that meme inducing Robin Nightwing variant back in 2021, talking about the one that's um, uh, the image that is in this article, which apparently can't get to. Next up though, uh, DC Future State reintroduces Jack Kirby's forgotten Mr. Miracle. Uh, though DC Future State is looking at the future of his hero, it will bring back a character from the fourth world. Um, see, Superman group editor Janie, Janie S. Rich revealed that Shiloh Norman, the second man to take up the mantle of Mr. Miracle, will feature heavily in the Superman and Justice League books in Future State's lineup. Um, we are sort of looking at them as a core uh, to our cosmic titles, Rich told IGN. Everyone loves to play with the new gods. Shallow Norman has actually been off stage for a little while now. I just love Mr. Miracle in general. Okay, next. Okay. Uh, key DC future state titles will borrow from a format that's been successful overseas for decades. Um... For the first two months of 2021, the core DC titles will be eight oversized anthologies containing all new stories, unlike the mostly reprint format of the similarly sized DC Giants. Okay. Right. And I think they're, they're basically saying they're, it sounds like they might be taking a page from like manga, the way manga does things. Because I know there's been some discussion about this online with this various com uh, comic book folks. But yeah. It is what it is on that. Uh, Hal Jordan gets a surprising new magical partner uh, and also starts a fight with uh, the same person in the same issue, apparently, because this was broken up into two articles for some reason. 
uh, and this is a spoiler for the story, The Shadow Over Coast City from the Doom, DC Doom, The Doomed and the Damned number one, which is already out. Uh, so Hal Jordan's going to team up with Etrigan, uh, Etrigan, the, um, the demon and whatever is going on here in the story next. Okay. Uh, what are we on the spoiler? Uh, the flash Spoiler: the flash rings secret origin is absolutely heartbreaking. Okay. Writer Joshua Williamson's just wrapped up a lengthy run on the flash, but that doesn't mean Barry Allen is standing still for years. The Scarlet speedsters ring merely seemed like a helpful gadget or a fashion accessory, but the flash number seven, six, three gives it an origin story. That's equally heartbreaking and wonderful. Early in the issue, it's clear the ring is important to Barry. When he loses it, he immediately vows to get it back because he can't replace it. Um, Telling a concerned Iris West the ring is forged from a special alloy he made, he eventually reveals just how priceless this metal is. Okay. Now you're going to make me go to the article to find out what's what. (laughs) Um... Yeah, it's stolen by the trickster. Barry describes how when he made the ring, he wanted it to remind him why he chose to be a superhero. And uh, Barry constructed the ring from his parents' wedding bands. Oh. Mm-hmm. So as a result, every time Barry dons his costume, he connects it with his parents. Oh, okay. Yeah. But now the trickster has it, so oh well. Uh, DC, a- yeah. Uh, DC ends, or at least had it. I don't know. I haven't been reading that book, but I know that cover was basically suggesting that that was the case. Anyway, uh, DC ends relationship with distributor UCS, uh, DC and, Oh Jesus, DC and UCS distributors are ending their direct part market partnership as of January 1st, 2021, as announced in letters to comic book retailers from DC and UCS respectively, a quote unquote in April, UCS comics distributors and lunar distribution, Partner with DC to transition to a multi uh, multi distributor model for the direct market. At a time when the market uh, comic book distribution was on pause and the supply chain disrupted as a result of safer at home orders that were put in place, uh, reads DC's letter to retailers. We are now in our next phase, where as of January twenty uh, January first, twenty twenty one, DC publications will continue to be distributed by direct market by Lunar Distribution. Diamond UK and Penguin Random House for graphic novels and collected editions uh, only for the Penguin Random House stuff. UCS comic distributors will no longer distribute uh, DC publications, but retailers can continue to order from UCS through the end of November. Uh, UCS was created in spring as an outgrowth of Midtown Comics, who already had a robust 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 mail order retail comic book industry and i know there's been some flap about this from folks online so yeah oh well next up i was about to say what are you gonna do uh as i mentioned in our back channel discussions um i heard some tough things about uh ucs uh as it's run by uh, as an offshoot or it's run by midtown comics right and uh, they weren't exactly um uh, doing a great job with distributing uh, DC stuff right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm presuming that's where all that stems from. So DC is going to have its own distributor uh, for its stuff. And, uh, you know, some, for all you folks that, uh, you know, that get DC stuff, hopefully you're still able to get it. 
going uh, forward. I'm sure you will. But next up. Uh, Spider-Woman number five explains why Jessica Drew is keeping her new costume. Which we, we kind of already, well, we didn't, this. we didn't, well, we didn't say why, but we definitely did talk about it. But if you want to stay spoiler free, we'll, we'll leave it at that. It's really not much to it. Right. It's pretty simple. Um, Ten of Swords sends an X-Men leader, X-Men leader into unarmed combat. So this, I guess, forthcoming spoilers. I don't know. Uh, 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 Ten of Swords will pit Krakoa's sword bearers against the sword bearers of Morocco in a fight to death. We already know this. Basically, magic and her famous soul sword fighting the crocodile-like creature, and I hate this name, Pog or Pog, because it reminds me of some Twitch stuff. Um, the text Marvel released with the image reads, Magic versus Pog or Pog. Uh, two warriors face off in unarmed combat in X-Force number 14, chapter 17 of Ten of Swords, X of Swords, X-Force number 14. So, okay. There you go. And you see the image right there. Next. Alrighty, next up. Uh, Captain Britain. Well, this is spoilers for uh, um, uh, Caliber number 13, but we discussed it already. Kind of. Uh, Captain Britain turned down the sort of might in Excalibur number 13, sort of. Mm-hmm. Well, she did definitely, look- but yeah, there was a whole thing that happened after that, But so we don't necessarily need to go into that again. But yeah, there was a change of hands and some things happened, and she still got it, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Marvel is about to make an Omega-level mutant even stronger uh, in this, well... This is from Marauders number 13, which came out like last week. So basically, uh, as as we found out then, Storm ended up getting Stormbreaker from Wakanda. And this uh, article goes on to postulate that the sword, uh, which was forged at the beginning of um, Wakanda from the original source of uh, Vibranium, may give Storm uh, a power boost uh, should she decide to, you know, Take take use of it while uh, in Ten of Swords, which you probably will. Who knows? And this goes on. The article goes on to, you know, to give some use cases of it. Next up. All right. Uh, Magnificent Miss Marvel has been canceled as of January, but Kamala Kamala actually likely huh. in Marvel's 2021 plans. Marvel Comics' Magnificent Miss Marvel ongoing series will come to an end in January. Concluding with Magnificent Miss Marvel number 18, which also marks com, uh, com, uh, man, I hate the fact that I have to keep thinking about how to pronounce it Kamala Khan's 75th solo comic book. Ahmed launched, uh, Saladin Ahmed launched Magnificent Miss Marvel in 2019 alongside artist Minkyu Jung, who served as the core series artist for the volume's whole run. The finale. Uh, issue number 18 slash number 75 will be oversized and once again teams Kamala with the new hero amulet to take on Storm Ranger, the sentient Kree battlesuit Kamala wore while on an adventure in space. Cool. I really hate the starting and restarting of things. We've already talked about this, so we don't necessarily have to go back through it, but that's still a bugs the shit I mean, out it of sucks me. that right it sucks that it's issue number set that that they're purposefully ending it on issue number 75 so that they can make it oversized mm-hmm. but at the same time you know like you said it sucks that they're going to restart again with a number one again probably sometime in 2021 right like this is there's no justification for it 
uh, no real justification of it outside of number one sale and whatever other stupid reason they gin up. Anyway, meet Marvel's new Valkyrie ahead of her 2021 debut. Uh, spoilers folks, this kind of looks like a uh, MCU thing going on here. Uh, Lo, a new Valkyrie will debut at Marvel Comics this January. Uh, in the upcoming one shot, guess what? King in Black, Return of the Valkyries. <laughs> a new as yet name, unnamed Valkyrie will debut as a part of a team up of Marvel Comics Valkyries, Jane Foster, Danny Moonstar, and Hildegard. Uh, emerging, emerging just as Null's takeover begins, this new Valkyrie's uh, past holds dark secrets that will change everything you thought you knew about this group of his guardians and reveal what their future in the Marvel Universe holds. Uh, the new Valkyrie character was designed by Matea de, de, de Lusus. De, de, de Lusus. My apologies for screwing up your name. Uh, and you can see some character designs right here in the article. Uh, yeah, which again, there's, I, I feel like shades of uh, some MCU going on here. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, next up. All right, next up, there's a new book out um, called The Wakanda Files from Epic Inc. It's described as a technological exploration of the Avengers and beyond. The 160-page tome now on sale helps flesh out the MCU with insights from Shuri of Wakanda on human enhancement, transportation, weapons, artificial intelligence, uh, and mind control. It covers everything from the birth of Captain America to the time-traveling possibilities of the quantum realm. There is even an explanation for what happened to that bottle of soda containing a droplet of Bruce Banner's gamma-irradiated blood. Uh, plus, make sure to scour each page for hidden messages with a Kamoyo bead-shaped UV light. Okay. Wait, I feel like we know what happened to that bottle of soda because that kind of... Of course we know what happened to Yeah, but I, I know that's them saying that, yeah, it's all they're... they're pretty much laying that all back out but i'm like okay sure but regardless and and the article goes on to kind of give some tidbits on some of the stuff which we won't go into but i might end up actually checking that book out uh see if i can get my hands on a copy anyway uh darth vader officially introduces a key skywalker saga character so this is uh spoilers for last week's Darth Vader number six. And apparently I well we kind of sort of mentioned this, but what I did not realize at the time of who this character was that shows up at the end. So apparently uh there is an assassin that shows up at the end of the book, uh whose name is uh Ochi of Bestoon. And it's seemingly spoiler alert, folks, this uh could very well be the person or this seems like the person that killed uh, Ray's parents. Uh, I don't know, and assume, and somewhere in uh, Rise of Skywalker, the movie, this was some some of this was mentioned, uh, and I totally don't remember. But I think it was on that planet that they went to, and they they ran across uh, Lando. But or at least I think this article also mentions that. But this is one of those cases I was going to actually go back and watch it and see, but I didn't. Anyway, next up. All right, Lucasfilm has unveiled four new Jedi Padawans that are featured in Star Wars The High Republic. StarWars.com officially pulled back the curtain on these four new characters by providing first-look images and fresh details about the wide range of Padawan learners in the High Republic era. The creators behind Lucasfilm's multi-pronged publishing initiative 
have also shared some additional insights into the next class of Jedi, which features Buriyaga, Reef Silas, Lula Talasola, and Bel Zedifar. Okay. Yes, and people have taken to that last character because apparently he has a pet houndour or some sort of hellhound at, at his side, and people have kind of taken to that. <laughs> Not hey, the character, but the Bur- dog. I was about to say, Buriaga is a, a, a Wookiee Padawan. Well, like, yeah, we Wookie talked, Padawan. yeah, the, like folks have talked about that one already, uh, but people have kind of gone on with this, uh, with the, this one Padawan with the dog more. Oh, recently. yeah, I see that. Yeah. yeah, because people love dogs. Yeah, yeah. But still, yeah, some of these some of these characters look good. Now, even Charles Souls has kind of been, you know, uh, has been one of the ones that's been, um, you know, sharing tidbits on on these uh, folk because obviously he's, you know, a part of some of this. Um, so cool. Uh, now we get to a story that we alluded to earlier in that uh, Marvel Unlimited will stream comic books, which that's a weird way to say it, but sure, we'll stream new comic books three months earlier. So instead of the four to six months that we've been getting, uh, comics, uh, Marvel Unlimited will will um, debut new books in three months past, uh, uh, past the uh, initial print uh, or the initial um, new release, rather, I should say. So uh, any books that come out this week will be there in three months. Um, just still a long time to wait if you want to try to keep up with things, but hey, but not as long as what it was though. What's that? I said, but not as long as what it was because, like I said, it used to be four to six. Like they had pretty much chopped it down to four in recent year or so, uh, seemingly because as I've noticed. But yeah, three like that's still not as bad. No, not as bad. So, I mean, hell, people waited used to wait like when we people were trading waiting was. People were waiting longer than that, so uh, sometimes, yeah. So cool. That's the thing. Meanwhile, I know people have um, said something about you know compared to what DC is doing, DC and their um, aversion to digital in general. But eh, it's you know apples and oranges, folks. Uh, Wait. Next up. So what? I said definitely apples and oranges in this case. Yeah, but next up. Spider-Man Miles Morales features the younger, hipper wall crawler striking out on his own under the mentorship of Peter Parker. But he's not quite alone. This is video game stuff. Apparently, he ha- he uh, has the help of a frankly adorable kitty cat who can even help him in battle. Watch out. Here comes a spider cat. Okay. Hmm. And I will, uh, I will um, not restate my... Twitter uh, pun about this, and sh- but I will say shout out to Big Pun. Okay. Uh, also, I will uh, remind folks that there is an article in the clickbait section again uh, that is a guide to every Spider-Man suit that is going to be in Miles Morales' uh, new game, including the aforementioned uh, Spider-Cat uh, suit. So, And it also gives the comic origins of all of the suits. They did something similar to this in... Um, with the Spider-Man PS4, which speaking of Spider-Man remastered new suits also confirmed for Spider-Man PS4 five. Um, uh, and also, I th- well, does that, that actually not don't even worry about that. Cause that's a whole nother separate thing. That's, that's going to be in there, but regardless new suits are coming to Spider-Man remastered on the PS five 
and it will also uh, reappear in the original version also. So the PS4 version of Spider-Man already had a bunch of, of suits. So it sounds like the, the remastered version is going to get those suits plus a few more uh, that are going to come back into the original version. So along with giving Peter Parker a new face, bumping up the, the game's overall visual quality, and offering a selection of modes for performance and visual quality, Insomniac Games have confirmed that Spider-Man Remastered will include three new suits for our webhead pal, one of which will be a replica, uh, replica of the suit Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker wore in the Amazing Spider-Man films, and the other two are a secret for now. And um, uh, and Simonek's community director pretty much confirmed this on uh, on Twitter that these new suits will make their way back to the original version of Spider-Man PS4. So cool. Next up. All right. In some news from last week's uh, 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 what you call it, um, Hasbro's Fan Friday. Um, It revealed that there's more um, Transformers, the movie uh, figures um, coming out um, alongside the Transformers Studio Series 69 Devastator Combiner Set and the My Little Pony Crossover Collection My Little Prime figure. Uh, Pre-orders for the entire wave can be found online. Um, The figures included a deluxe Autobot Blur. Um, Leader Grimlock and Autobot Wheelie, uh, Autobot Jazz, a Deluxe Cup, Voyager Scourge, Voyager Autobot Hot Rod, um, Revenge of the Fallen, Devastator, Constructicon, Combiner Set, and uh, My Little Pony X, My Little Pony Times Transformer crossover collection, My Little Prime figure. Okay. Yep. And if you're watching the video, you just saw uh, flashes of all of the images in that article from that. And my wallet will not thank uh, these people for this because uh, well I'm not gonna get all these but there's a couple of them I kind of want. Regardless, mm-hmm. um, original Rankin base Rankin Bass Rudolph Santa figures are going up for auction. So uh, Santa and Rudolph uh, the Red Nosed Reindeer puppets from 1964's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer are up for auction in November, likely selling for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I'm surprised those things are still around, to be honest. Uh, the auction is November 13th of this year, and it says that, uh see, Ocean House Profiles in History, which specializes in Hollywood artifacts, estimated the pair of puppets sell between $150,000 to $250,000. The set will come on a display, a base strewn with Christmas gifts, snowy mountains, and decorated Christmas trees. And you can see the pictures of the... Uh, of the the figures right there, specifically the the Santa and the reindeers. So, cool. Next up, uh, artists, writers, and artisans (AWA) is launching two comic series for younger readers in December with graphic novel collections to follow. Bite sized, suitable for middle grade readers and older, is written by Cullen Bunn with art by Nelson Blake and colors by Snakebite Cortez. The launch of the first issue is timed for Christmas, as it takes place on Christmas Eve. It's all about robots that are created in a military lab that escape from the lab and crash land in the stockings in a suburban home on Christmas Eve, AWA Chief Creative Officer Axel Alonzo told, uh, uh, says. Okay. And what funny Christmas Eve, Santa. Anyway. Okay. Um, next up. 
a new green ranger emerges in Mighty Morphin number one first look. So this is a preview for the new Mighty Morphin book that is coming up. Boom has released an unlettered preview of Mighty Morphin number one, which will be released alongside the new series Power Rangers. Uh, Mighty Morphin is written by Ryan Parrott, illustrated by Marco Renner, colored by Walter Biamonte, with assistance by Katia Rinaldi. Uh, letter by Ed Dukeshire. And you can see the pictures uh, in the article below or in the video if you're watching it at this moment. Next up. All righty. Uh, in our penultimate story, there is no substitute for Animorphs, really. The beloved sci-fi kids book series from K.A. Applegate. And now Animorphs fans should be excited to learn that the series is getting its own graphic novel adaptation coming next month from Scholastic. Okay. Yeah, Animorphs, you know, so this is so this is kind of old news, but there's an also, but the reason why I put it in here is because there's an article in the clickbait section from uh, the person, the the writer, who basically said that it's going to be um, uh, a little, uh, basically faithful because they're, they're, you know, sometimes reboots can kind of go away. Uh, I was never a big Animorphs fan, or at least I think it was a lot after my time. I don't know if you got, were into it, because I know a lot of nope. people out there were. Probably like Tim's age and stuff. Yeah. So, I know. Uh, last but not least, Reebok's new Ghostbusters sneakers look like they've already been through a few ghost battles. Um... So proving you don't need a notable anniversary of the original film to release new Ghostbusters merchandise, Reebok's, uh, Reebok's new Ghost Smasher sneakers look like something straight out of Egon's lab with what appears to be a proton pack hardware strapped to the back and a pre-worn finish because ghost busting isn't pretty, but it does make you feel good. Um, officially available starting at midnight on October 31st, naturally. The $150 kicks are based on the Reebok uh, alien stompers, mid-top silhouette, and use a pair of Velcro straps in lieu of laces to secure them to your feet. Uh, blah, 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 yakety smackety. Here are the shoes. Wait. Oh, those are the original shoes, the alien stompers, and here are the uh, the ones in question. I don't know. Do, do, would you buy these? Uh, let me take a look at them. I doubt it. <laughs> they're going to look like uh, Back to the Future shoes too, but that's you know, that's a whole other situation. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. That's just that's a bit much. Uh huh. Yeah, like I can't even imagine sneakerheads kind of getting in, into this, and I feel like we know a couple, but yeah. I mean, the other ones, uh, the 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 kind of brown ones. Yeah, I think those are the original uh, alien stompers. I guess I don't know. Yeah, those look fine. Yeah. You know, you could get away with those. Yeah, I guess so. You know, but not so much the one with the the, the ectoplasm in the back and the. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I don't know, and I guess those are pumps. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I know one of these uh, or pumps or or, or according to this thing, but regardless. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Um, Those are not the Alien Smash Stompers. Those are $100 Ghostbusters classic leather shoes. Those the the brown ones. Okay. Uh, And they're also going to go on sale at uh, Halloween at midnight. Uh, But 
Yeah, I guess somebody would probably get be more up to get those than these the, the ones at the top. If you're watching the video, mm-hmm. you know uh, that is it for the news, ladies and gentlemen. Can we get another ad read to take us out? Our last ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight, your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks. And brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, ad, uh, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And this time I promised to make the transition uh, back like I should have done last weekend, but that's a whole other thing. And so we come to the end of another Chronicles. Um, again, sorry, not sorry for all the news, but whatever. You love <laughs> us. Um, I have been Rodicat, uh, your host. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at Need on Twitter. You can also find me at Instagram on CB Caps. Agent underscore 70, your other host. You can find him at Twitter and Instagram at agent underscore 70. PC underscore dirt on Twitter. Uh, Pop Culture Net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and there's all his umbrella sites therein. And he's probably still doing Byte, which is uh, he goes under the comic reviews, no vowels. Uh, the Osiris of this ish, Tim, D O G G 9 8 on Twitter. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, uh, um, CB Cron, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account, and of course, uh, he's over at Combo Resources writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Ghost Lizard Podcast uh, Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find it at your podcast virtual place of choice. Whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, um, or the Coast Lizard Podcast Network, uh, sometime probably Saturday or Sunday, whenever it, the the audio goes out. Uh, you can also find us, you know, recording this live on Thursday nights um, on uh, the Click Nation's YouTube channel. Uh, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. That's D K L I. The V K L I Q N A T I O N. I will be fine. It is just late. Uh, or you can check us out on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word, where we're also streaming at the same time. And hopefully we will get to uh, streaming some video games over there, um, quite possibly, of the, um, uh, the variety you would expect from us. There you go. Or maybe some other stuff. Who knows? Maybe some other stuff going on. Maybe some addendums to the show or or something along. We don't know. We're, we're still working out the kinks on that one. Uh, but with that, folks, join us again next week for another exciting episode of the Comic Book, Comic Book Chronicles. I will say right before we leave, a oh, very quick show and tell. Very quick. Um, I got my 
I don't know if you can see this, but yeah, nice. I got my um, Marvel Legends. Uh, this uh, Iron Man figures you can see here. Um, the Silver Silver Centurion. The Silver Centurion, the classic. Well, the next, the other classic. Because we know the Mark II is the classic. Um, but there you go. I finally found it at a Walgreens, as I told uh, Agent Seventy, um, out and about in the last couple of days, and it was the very last one they had. Like the, the across the town, mind you, it was like there's like three or four near me. None of them have it, but I had to go way across town into. I don't want to say it's the white section of town, but it kind of a no. bunch of white folks. The, the other the, section of town. The, the other, the, it was basically the other side of town. But it's not necessarily the white section. There's a bunch of white, black people there are, and other people there also. But that's just a... Yeah. Regardless, you would have to know Columbia to know what I'm talking about. Um, but I finally I found it. I didn't find... I did not find my Silver Centurion in any Walgreens close to me in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to... Not that I was looking all over Brooklyn. Obviously, with the pandemic, it's not like I'm... Right. Uh, uh, trolling all the Walgreens to uh, to look for it. I'm going to look only in the the ones that are relatively accessible to me. Same. Uh, you know, uh, I I draw. I was. I happened to be uh, upstate uh, visiting family, and lo and behold, lo and behold, I ran into my Silver Centurion as I mentioned on last week's show. Right, and say it. Right, and I just so happened to be uh, way across town because I was doing, you know, do, doing uh, dropping off some some voter registrations or uh, my mom's vote at the voter registration place, mm-hmm. and I just so happened to go a little further because it was for another whole reason, and it just just so happened to be a Walgreens in front of the place where I uh, went. And I was like, you know what? Let me check this out, and I'm you saying, pull into the, you pull into the parking lot, and the the next thing you know. Oh well, no. I was like, because when I because when I went to the place, because basically I went to go get some food while I was out that way, and I was like, because I had never tried this place because I had heard some things. So and I saw the the Walgreens across the street, so I was like, sure, why not? You know, before I head back home, and just on a whim went in there to the Walgreens, and you know, boom, there it was on the shelf, last one. And Listen, shout out to the young lady who who uh, who rung me up, who was having a particularly bad morning, thanks to a a, a very ornery customer i hope that person they got better that's too bad i was about to say uh unfortunately this is our reality where we have to go to walgreens of all places to find toys yeah 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 um and sadly as we have talked off channel that sometimes the stock that they have is widely varied uh because of the way they stock things Mm -hmm. you know and Sometimes, as I think I might have mentioned, some places get stuff that other places did not get. Because I'm almost fairly certain that none of the Walgreens here got any of those uh, Silver Centurions. Whereas this one place across town, or probably uh, the ones across town probably did for whatever odd reason. Did you ever see a Moon Knight? Oh, yeah. I told you, yeah, I've run across those. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So you ran across Moon Knight and you've run across very old Medusas, but you still never one, saw yeah. Silver Centurion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, and there's still a bunch of Arno Starks, you know, Arno um, uh, Iron Man uh, 2020s uh, that are floating mm-hmm. about. I haven't been, like I said, that was the only Walgreen that had gone to recently, but I, I know as of the last time we talked about it but prior to this. Right. That's but you know what's funny is that you didn't have any problems, uh, not that you were getting them, but you didn't have any problems seeing the FF, right? That is correct. Yeah, because um, the matter of fact, I think I still ran across a, a Sue Storm at one point, like sometime last year. Yeah, that's wild, man. It was a it was a battle for me to find a, a a Ben Grimm. I didn't get that until PCN underscore Dirt found one for me and sent it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those oh. were relatively easy to find. I, I think the Sue the Sue one was probably 
I think I might have had to go to another. I just so happened to be at one that I found it at, but that one's still not that far away, so it's still relatively mm-hmm. close. Yeah, but all right. of them found a torch and you found a thing and you mm-hmm. found reed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why. I did not have much luck finding those. Uh, I found a reed on a whim, and I think the torch was, I think, a hunt also, and so was Sue. But Ben Grimm was not accessible at all to me. I checked, I checked Walgreens in Manhattan. I checked them in Brooklyn. Just no luck. Mm-hmm. So yeah, t- t- trials and tribulations as toy toy collectors, folks. You yep. gotta love it. Sucks. Kind of does, and especially as we have lamented before with stuff like Target uh, exclusives. Exclusives in general are, are a pain. Yes. But for some of us, Target ones are, are more of a pain than others of us. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Although Walgreens is not that far behind. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, yeah, because I know they're, they're, you know, Walgreens are not as prevalent uh, to you as they are here. But you say you had Dwayne Reed, Dwayne Reed's, right? Which yeah. are pretty much they Walgreens. Find, you can find them in Dwayne Reed's and you can find them in Walgreens. So it's not that bad. It's just a matter of the way they stock, as you right. mentioned earlier, the way they stock their shelves. They're, they're broken up. They don't send cases of these figures to the stores. What they do is that they break up the cases at their like central distribution warehouse and they drop a few figures into each each uh branch's box basically each branch of shipment and then you know you might be only getting like two or three or four out of a case of 12 you know Mm -hmm. for that that's that's shipped to like a uh like one regional distribution thing so right or in the case of what you mentioned uh after the show last week there there might be a hidden place under some uh 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 some, some, oh, some store yeah, that's shelves. a target. Oh, listen, yeah. I know better now, man. <laughs> I know better now. There are employees and or customers who are hiding figures for uh, purchase at a later date. And it would behoove anyone who's listening to this, anyone who's watching this, to check underneath the bottom metal shelf in the aisle that you're in or even in the aisles around you um, at Target especially. Yeah. That lift the shelf, believe it or not. It's well, hysterical. When I saw it, doing, I saw but... it there, were, there were a bunch of Star Wars figures under that someone stuffed in there. I started laughing. And someone someone else walked by, and they were like, oh, you watch these YouTube videos, man. I'm like, I, I, I was today years old when I learned about this. <laughs> you know? Right. Crazy, crazy. But All yeah, right, let's little wrap pro it tip up. For, 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 for those uh, looking for it. But yeah, so that's that's that. That's the show, folks. We'll be back next week, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. Thursday nights uh, at the places mentioned previously. This has been The Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda, <laughs>